You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Aloha, my friends. Alrighty. Good morning. Another, Happy hectic morning I don't know as why. usual. Like, there's no reason why it needs to be. So, um, for so, those listening on Twitter Spaces, we do this show every week, um, and then we, you know, we stream it on Twitter Spaces. But you could also watch it on YouTube. You can join the Streamyard link on YouTube if you want to join the chat there. Uh, we're gonna do a price report. We're gonna have a special guest. We have Houdini Swap coming on. We're going to do the news. And then we'll jump into the spaces and we could interact with everybody that's in the space. People are uh, still hanging around. All right. That sounds so good. Uh, give it a go. Anything, any any housekeeping? Uh, I guess if you want to give an update on um, the Monerotopia conference. You want to bring it yeah, up real I'll quick. Bring it up right now so people don't have to stare I at think everybody listening. at lag. Sorry, I'm just laughing. I, I think everybody laugh. listening knows uh, about Monerotopia. May 6th and 7th, Mexico City. Uh, it's what, like 80 bucks for a ticket right now? Yep, 89. 89, 90 bucks. Early bird and um, the VIP, which includes like a VIP dinner with all the, all the speakers and us. <laughs> uh it's 189. More so. people are buying the VIP. Than yeah, like. they are. So it's it is cool. We I mean, we're gonna we're renting out a re- like a room in a restaurant. We have two restaurants that we liked when we went down there that had like a really nice setup. Uh, Monero Boating was helping us out with that. Um, we might be running down to Mexico City soon just to make sure everything is on track, right? Because it's this a little weird. You know, we're not. It's not our backyard. Yeah. But it was like that in Miami too. But at least we went down there once, we met everybody, but it feels a little uneasy, like that we're just gonna show up and everything's gonna be falling apart. Yeah, I mean I think so. So we we might yeah, we gonna, might make might another go. trip down to Mexico City uh very soon just to make sure everything's running smoothly. There's really not much that needs to be done. We just need to make sure that the, the marketplace shows that's another thing. So we're gonna have a a, a live Monero market. So uh local Vendors, local Mexican vendors from Mexico City, uh, are going to be present. Um, they're coming as a group. If we can round them all up, right? That's the thing. We're like trying to make a deal with the 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 Mexican marketplace. Make sure they're on the there's uh there's some communication there's issues. There's communication. Right? Yeah. So it's like well, we got to go down in person and we got to figure it out because we're going to on onboard. All, I don't know how many there's going to be. How many? Vendors. Yeah, we got to figure out how many. Like at least thirty. There's a lot of more. them. Yeah. But they'll be, you know, selling things like you know tequila and handmade Mexican crafts, and we're gonna onboard all of them to Monero. You know, give them a cake wallet or Monero.com, whatever it may be. Monerouju. Uh, get them onboarded. Maybe give them a, f- a few dollars worth of Monero just to show them, and then you know, 
the rest is up to up to you guys. Come down, hang out. Obviously, we'll have the conference going on, but then we could hopefully uh, get the marketplace going in real time. And what's cool too is we want the public to have uh, access to this during the conference. So obviously, those that buy tickets will have access to the dome where the talks will be going on, but. This space is like an open space and it's, it's kind of integrated into the city. Normally on the weekends, they have these marketplaces there and people just come in and, you know, uh, from, you know, without, they don't pay for a ticket or anything. It's just they, they walk in. So we want to keep that element so people from the, the city will know about it and they'll come walking in. They could check out the marketplace. Uh, and then we'll just also have a section at the conference where we'll be trying to onboard these people as well that want to come complete noobs that want to come and learn about Monero. Maybe they, maybe they don't even know about crypto yet. Uh, so that's another aspect of the conference. So I'd say everything's moving ahead. The speaker lineup is insane. Did we add any new? Yeah, we have um, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Elizabeth, thanks. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. She's working on ETH to XMR atomic swaps. She's making some uh, big progress on that, but she'll be down there. It's not just Monero, guys. I mean, we spoke about this. We want this to be, you know, a pro-privacy tech conference in general, right? So obviously Monero is the focus. I think pretty much the entire first day will be, will be Monero, all the devs talking about Monero, all Monero related things. But then we also want a portion of the conference where we're going to be allow other privacy projects to present whatever, some tech that they're working on. Um, who do we have? We have Zano. We have Zano. We have Firo. We have Firo. Rubin, yeah, we're up. Um, we're trying to get people from the ETH, uh, pri- ETH privacy community via Elizabeth. So maybe they'll, we'll they'll be them. down there as well. Um, we're talking to Particle. They're very yes. interested, uh, because, you know, we, they recently developed the, um, the decentralized marketplace that's Monero, uh, Monero based. Who else are we talking to? I mean, oh, ha- uh, Haven, Haven, right? They were yeah. with us last year. Um, and then there's other, uh, you know, there's others. We don't want to go too crazy with it. You know, we have, we have some, you know, we don't, we don't want to get any, any, any regular shit coin in there. Uh, there's a reason for the projects that were, you know, we, that we're allowing, right? Either they're the crypto note based or they've contributed to Monero and somehow, or they're just, you know, big enough projects that deserve attention, like obviously Ethereum, one of the most used cryptos out there, right? So why would, why shouldn't we hear about what they're, what they're doing in terms of privacy? And so, uh, you know, that's going to be a big part of it as well. And yeah, I guess that's it. Grab your tickets. Grab your tickets today. Keeps growing. Reach out to us. If you want to participate in some way, you want to be a vendor, you want to be a sponsor, you want to be a speaker. Whatever, Whatever your heart desires. You want to come to the conference, but you can't figure out how to do it. We'll, we'll help you. Wanna you want to help us out? Because obviously, you help us out. We definitely need help. Oh my you God. Can tell. <laughs> Please. We're also juggling, you know, we're trying to keep gratuitous moving. I don't know. We, we don't talk about it a lot on the show, but we, we're, you know, that's a big passion of ours. It's a slow moving thing only because we don't have a lot of time to devote to it. We've added new coffees. We added a coffee, uh, from Columbia now. Um, which we added the, uh, the bio farm where you could buy it. You could buy a gift card on gratuitous with Monero. Obviously everything on gratuitous is sold for Monero. You can purchase things anonymously, but for 
giving up your shipping address, right? If you want something shipped to your house. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're trying to pivot it into a, just a, a large, a larger market. Not just, it's not just coffee, right? It's, and this has actually been the vision from day yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Starting with coffee, but now we're trying to transition beyond the, the MVP. So the idea, it becomes a place where you can buy all your daily needs, you know, direct from source too, right? So every, you drink coffee every day, you can buy coffee on Gratuitous, and it's really good coffee direct from source. Uh, where we've now added this uh, bio farm, which is basically organic Amish farm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You could buy, we haven't gotten it completely integrated yet because we're working with them. You know, we have to try to get them used to Monero and whatnot. So we got to the point where basically we're, you could go on our website, you could buy, buy a gift card to them with Monero, and then you could go on there and, you know, they don't really ask for much information either. They're very, uh, uh, if you go to the website, you'll see they very much align with the ethos of, of Monero and what we're trying to do. They, they, they're, they're trying to build their own little, you know, parallel economy. Uh, and then on there, you could buy things like farm fresh eggs, raw, uh, dairy, um, you know, Maybe not for you, for your cat or your dog, right? <laughs> raw dairy is illegal in the United States. Or, you know, maybe you happen to drink some yourself. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're moving towards this broader vision of what gratuitous is. So check that out. We have those things up there. Please support us there and it'll help us continue to grow it. Ignore the, the website's a little funky right now just because we're in, in between transitioning the design. Uh, so, I just put up with that, but you know, it's, it's all there. We're just trying to make it look, uh, beautiful now. As gorgeous as possible. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's all move right, on. Enough, so I guess enough, enough about shilling. <laughs> we got to get these things out there. Though. Yeah, we do. We do. So it was a good idea. Anybody that's listening in the spaces, um, if you can, you know, like the space and share it, let's get more people in here. Uh, you know, I feel like we just don't get the word out, right? There's a lot of people in like Monero we... that are, are missing out on this content. Well, yeah, yeah, we need to, we need help spreading the word. That's better because there's so much we can do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Spread the word, guys. Spread the word, please. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the price report, my friends. Oh, the Monero Topia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer-to-peer. Buddy. Happy New Year's to you guys. Howdy, howdy. Hey, How's man. it going? How's this, is the sound okay? Yeah, sound is good. I can hear you. You can hear me. Hopefully, y'all can hear me. Yes, we can hear yes. you. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm, I'm really good. Yeah, having a good New Year so far. Awesome. Monero's uh, given, us, given us good reasons, extra reasons to have a good New Year. Yeah, for sure. Now... I know everyone is excited to talk about Monero. We've been pumping, but today I really want to start with the big picture and work our way down. The reason for that is that trading is kind of an emotional endeavor, right? You don't want to let your positive emotions about Monero affect how we might be viewing the macro. So we're going to start with the macro and we'll work our way towards Monero. Um, if you're on the Twitter spaces, highly recommend you get on YouTube and make sure and set your resolution to 720p. Okay, so <clears throat> let's go ahead and start. Let's start with this reverse repos. I posted about this on Twitter, actually. And what happened was some, I don't know, somebody dropped like $350 billion with the Fed overnight for New Year's, just for New Year's. We had this big spike. And we were talking about this spike last week. 
And if you remember, I said, this looks a little bit kind of like a capitulation wick. It looks kind of like the uh, the momentum has already rolled over. And so, for example, if we add the Bollinger Bands to this, and this is the 200, uh, is it the 200 day? Maybe it's the 100 day. Um, you can see with Bollinger Bands, they can be tricky to use. You've got to be really careful. There's a lot more nuance to Bollinger Bands than many other different signals. But at any rate, after you've had a big bull run like we've had for the past year and a half on reverse repos, and for those that are that are new, reverse repos are just money that people and institutions park with Federal Reserve overnight. They get a small interest rate for doing so. And this, to me, this represents institutional potential, right? It, it represents dry powder of institutions. And so it was one of the ways we saw we were going into a bear market. Um, even though price was going up, the the money parked overnight with the Fed was also going up. When it comes to Bollinger, uh, Bollinger Bands, when you get a rollover like this, it's usually a kind of a momentum rollover. You see the top, the upper standard deviation come down. Um, you see it roll over. So when this happens, you start to suspect that potentially you're out of steam, especially on longer time frames uh, when you're on the daily and the weekly chart. When this happens, you, set, you say to yourself, this might be, this is probably getting close to exhausted. So when you see a big spike up like this through the upper standard deviation, you really you want to suspect that 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 might not be real. That could just be an exhaustion wick. So the very next day uh, or the very next trading day, it came right back down. So to me, this looks very much like a confirmation that we could be seeing the end of the bear market, or at least we could be seeing a temporary reversal to the upside, something longer than has happened. You know, all the other sort of uh, dead cat bounces and bull traps that we had all the way down uh, from the top. This one might be more long lived. And that was the tentative thesis that I was bringing out last week that we're, we're seeing just the early signs of this, but we want to see it continue to mature. Uh, personally, I spent a decent amount of time this week reaccumulating positions. Uh, I fully reaccumulated any of the Monero that I might have sold, um, trying to avoid this last dip. Um, everything's looking really good. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and look at the Dixie now. The Dixie, I want to show you guys a, a new, a couple new things actually. Um, so we've got our Z scores here on the bottom. And if you notice these little green and red dots, this is an indicator that a friend of mine created, and it's basically an engulfing pattern detector. So the red dots essentially indicate that there was kind of an engulfing pattern on the candle before. Now, one thing that I was expecting for Dixie to do was to make a short reversal. Essentially, this is topping and reversal. It's possible we'll be back up here at some point, and I was kind of expecting that. And we got the beginning of that right here as price started going up. But then yesterday we had a, a pretty interesting daily candle where essentially we had this engulfing pattern on this daily candle. Things were looking bullish and then it just reversed on a dime and then closed lower. So that's kind of, that can often represent a liquidity run. It can represent not enough momentum to keep going up. In other words, this, this gives us the indication that Dixie might be going down soon. Now, the Z-scores down here, this is another pattern that I've detected um, in in the time I've been playing with Z-scores. So the darker bands up here represent longer time frame lookbacks, and obviously the shorter ones are, or sorry, the, the yellow and green down here are the shorter time frames. When you have a chart where the longer time frame Z-scores are trending downwards, it's a momentum indicator, but then your short term spikes up against that momentum and then comes back down, that is very often an indication of a liquidity run. 
or of like a temporary, maybe a stop hunt, something like that. So we're having basically two indicators now. There's an engulfing indicator and we have the Z-score indicator that's telling us kind of the same thing. What I thought was going to be the Dixie going higher might actually end up going lower now. And in terms of a bullish thesis for risk assets, this is actually a very good thing. In fact, this was one of the pieces last week that I was saying was a conflicting signal. I didn't like how Dixie looked like it was ready to to start going up. Um, And that was conflicting against the idea that maybe we could go on a on a larger bull run here. So that's a good thing for people holding risk assets. It's a good thing for Monero. It's a good thing for stocks. Uh, we could take a quick look at the Z-scores for all assets relative um, to each other. These, let's go to the four-hour. This makes more sense on the four-hour. Or maybe the one-hour. Okay. So you can see that the markets are closed. Crypto is, is going solo right now. You can see that the Dixie came down at the last moment on Friday, and everything else basically jumped up here to the top. Uh, silver seems to be lagging behind just a little bit, but uh, it should catch up as well. So right now, again, this is this is a little bit more cautiously optimistic than we were uh, even just last week. And again, it sort of it justifies taking bites, getting reaccumulating your positions if you have dry powder, um, just just slowly getting back into the market. And with Monero, because and we'll talk about this later, Monero, you really want to get in there sooner rather than later. So, okay, this is the oil chart, and I added a couple things from last week. These are the standard deviation bands. Uh, The blue ones are one standard deviation, and the purple is a derivative of that. Now, essentially, this chart is a chart that looks like it's going to keep on holding in this lower triangle region here. It looks like it's going to be attracted to this lower standard deviation band, and that's good. That's good because in the market profile that we're in right now, you really want oil to be steady and maybe going down just a little bit. Oil is kind of like a Goldilocks signal. You really need it to be just right. Before we had all the crazy inflation, before we entered the bear market, and typically in times past, really for the past decade, having oil being mildly positive was a good thing for asset prices. Um, you have an entire military industrial complex that's that's based on oil. You have an entire global currency reserve reserve currency that's based on oil. But when it gets too high and we get inflation overheating, right, that's when we start to have problems with the market because it forces the Fed to take action. So right now, it's good that we are seeing oil maintain this lower bound here. We we really want to stay in this area. We could even potentially drop lower here, and that, that would be fine. So, again, oil continues to give us confirmations that we are, in fact, looking at very likely a potential bottom. Um, there's another big signal that, that I found with gold. So here's just the regular gold chart. Um, this is the short term. This is the 12 hour candles. So you can see that, um, basically since October, we kind of bottomed and then gold has gone on kind of a nice run here. Um, we're in a bit of a rising wedge, but this has fairly positive sentiment to it. You can see that we're kind of riding the top of this wedge. Um, and gold could very likely continue being positive. Uh, let's take a look at this on a slightly longer time frame. So I just I don't want you guys to uh, to be confused by all the pleb lines that I've drawn there. And that's another thing we're going to talk about today a little bit is how do you draw pleb lines? Um, it's kind of an art and a science, and, and it's really it's easy to get it wrong, and it's easy to misunderstand and, and think that a breakout has happened when and you just need to be careful. We'll talk more about that later. So this pleb line right here represents essentially um, a pretty good spot uh, to have broken. 
Uh, we've been expecting to break that for quite a while, and this is a good sign. This is especially a good sign in light of what I've seen for the past two decades on pullbacks in the stock market relative to the action in gold. So the thesis being here that gold tends to bottom first, and then the stock market tends to reverse. So you can see that in most of the major crashes and or flat lines that the market has had for the past two decades. Well, starting with 2001, you can see that, uh, sorry, the blue line is uh, is the NASDAQ, and then obviously orange is gold. And so you can see that the NASDAQ was still on its way down, whereas gold had already started an uptrend about half a year before. And then once once the stock market reversed, it really, once that happens, the time is actually to get out of gold pretty soon thereafter. Uh, and then you've got the same thing if we go to the 2008 crash. Uh, gold went down with it, just like gold has gone down with this bear market. But it bounced, it found its bottom and bounced up first. Again, that was, let's take a look here. Uh, that was November or October, and then four months later, the market bottomed and then started going back up. And then they both performed really well for the beginning of this decade. Uh, you could see that again where the market kind of flatlined in 2015. That's where the Fed started rolling over their um, their asset purchases. They hadn't gone to a QE infinity yet. It was still like QE3 or something. I don't remember. But anyways, you can see again, gold was going up while the market was flat. We had the taper tantrum. This is where the market flatlined in 2018 because, again, the Fed was trying to stop making these asset purchases, and I think everybody knows they can't stop doing that. So while the stock market was flat, while NASDAQ was flat, gold was already in a bull market. So what we're seeing here is this right here, this point could very well have been the bottom for gold. And it would be unsurprising to see gold continue upwards, and maybe the stock market here is bottoming. Maybe it's about to reverse. So Again, this is an early sign. This is a tentative sign. It's possible we could still make lower lows in the stock market, and there's some fundamental reasons for that. If you notice, a lot of the macro indicators had reversed, even as the stock market was making new all-time highs last year in November. And one thing that happens with insiders and market makers is things are already reversing. They're already changing their positions, even as markets are making divergent action. And this is essentially them wanting to get on the reverse side of the trade while everyone is either over exuberant or in this case at the bottom of bear market, um, fearful and selling. And I have seen some new stories just anecdotally that would suggest it looks to me like some of these insiders and some, even some of these institutions are trying to indicate that, Hey, y'all should be scared. You need to sell your assets. It can be really bad this year. My guess is they want entrance liquidity, right? It's exit liquidity on the, on the top side. It's entrance liquidity on the bottom side. So again, overall, what we're seeing here on the macro is a picture that that is continuing to develop in a positive direction. It's continuing to give us confidence that we could very well be at the bottom of this bear market or very close to it. Um, so, for example, we've got the Nasdaq here. This is the entire bear market. That dotted yellow line has been my target. We might not make that target. I'm becoming less and less confident as as the weeks go by that this target will actually be made. Uh, you can see right here that was the pre-COVID high. So NASDAQ just doesn't seem to want to go there. And then the S&P 500, this is positive action. This is the kind of action that, again, it's cautiously optimistic. You can see we've got this kind of um, uh, broadening structure here all the way through. And we've come off these bottom lines right here. We we didn't actually touch that line down there. And then we're, we are now sitting at the top of this range, right? We, we had a double tap of the line of the resistance. We came back. And now price is trying to get right back to that line. 
If price makes it up to this line next week, that's very, very bullish. Now, we also have the inflation numbers coming out next week. It's going to be Thursday. Uh, that's CPI. Good CPI numbers, if things have come down, that will be very bullish for the markets overall. Now, as I talked about, I wanted to show you guys pipelines just a little bit, ways you can draw them. And you notice that I got two drawn here. Now, it does make it a little bit messy on your charts, but let's go ahead and take a look at Let's go ahead and get rid of this line for, for a moment. And so let's suppose we're back here and we're trying to understand what the market might do. All right, so your first natural line is just to connect these two points. So you might do two separate things when you're at this moment, right? When you're, when you're sitting right here at this spot, you would want to connect both the candle body to this candle body and you would also want to connect just the wick low just to give yourself a range. So Coming down into this spot right here, again, pretending like we were back in uh, February 2022, and you would expect to touch this line right here. That would be expected. What you wouldn't be sure is if you would get into this zone down here afterwards. But the next candle kind of jumped back up, and you can see that action kind of tells you, okay, we're probably not going to end up down in this spot right there. So that's just one thing you need to be aware of on, on these pled lines. And I like to call them pled lines because, you know, it's like the easiest kind of TA that you can do, right? Um, so you just have to be careful. You need to be ready to get creative with how you draw them. When they break, you need to try and find ways to redraw them. Um, for example, you need to redraw them more shallow, more steep. You need to change the timelines because as you change these timelines, you're going to notice that there are different places to connect the candle bodies. And a lot of people can draw a lot of different lines in many different ways. And so you don't want to get caught drawing lines one particular way and then have missed something very important because uh, that does happen. It's happened to me a lot of times. So the other thing that you can do here with this is connect. You can connect this, uh, these lines kind of like that. So again, we're redrawing these lines in a slightly different way. Let me just reverse all this. There we go. There we go. Uh, so you'll notice that in, when we kind of wick down below that, you can use that to draw the line more shallowly. You can see that was an important area right here. Um, and it's just, again, it's just kind of a way of, of illustrating why you need to draw these lines slightly differently. Um, the next thing we're going to look at in just a second is the comparison to the 2008 market. Um, but again, I just wanted to show you one more idea here of why you draw these lines, uh, multiple different ways. So we'll move that line out of the way for a second. You can see the tops right here. This has been a very good, um, bear market resistance line. But you'll notice we poked through there, and charts like to do this quite a lot. They like to poke through these lines just a little bit, which, again, is a way or is a reason why you want to dry, draw these lines slightly differently. So one thing you'll notice here is this was the very absolute top, and even though we had to cut through this area right here, that gives us a line that actually caught the top of right here where we broke through. So it's something you can do. It's totally okay to break through the candle bodies. There's people that say that it's not. But um, you very often have to get creative like that. And it just it gives you more things that you can hold in your mind simultaneously. And when it comes to trading, you really need to be able to hold multiple things in your in your head and not get too locked into one position. OK, so let's look at something a little bit more interesting than plot lines. Uh, and this is going to be the 2000 and the 2001 and 2008 bear markets as compared to where we are right now. So we've got uh, our current bear market right here. And we've got the, in blue is the 2000. 
And the dot-com crash was a very long crash. And we're looking at the, the NASDAQ, so tech stocks. So you can see we were kind of following along for a little bit, and then we started diverging, right? We went up, where instead they went down back in the day, I guess us, back in 2001 during dot-com. And right now, we're basically sitting here hovering. Up, we're, we're holding price, whereas previously there was big crashes happening here. And then just recently, as of the past few weeks, really since uh, November, we have now also been diverging from the 2008 collapse. Um, interestingly enough, because the NASDAQ crashed so hard in 2000, it actually didn't crash as much in 2008. Um, the S&P 500 was a much bigger, but they crashed equal amounts in 2008. Usually the NASDAQ falls more. So what's happening here, in my mind, is an intuitive expiration on the potential to go lower, on the on the sort of fear trade. And when you're trading, one thing you need to keep in mind is that your ideas, your trades, your targets, these all have an expiration date. And you should think about that early on in your process, and especially while you're in a trade. You need to think, when could this trade be expiring? We haven't hit my targets. Like, for example, I have targets that were about 5 to 20% above right now. And to me, my targets are starting to expire at this moment. They were good targets. They they were definitely in the ballpark. Um, but sociologically speaking, if these charts continue to stay above here and we don't crash, that's a very good sign that maybe we're just not going to crash further. Um, particularly the NASDAQ looks a little bit more close, right? It's a, it's a closer call on the NASDAQ. This is the daily chart. And again, you can see that we have just now started to make a little bit of divergence here. Uh, whereas in 2008, we were already crashing. In the dot com, it was we were just at the point that it's starting to crash. So we're just starting to, to diverge. And if we keep doing this kind of action and we go up a little bit, I think that's going to be a signal sociologically to the market that, hey, maybe we're not looking at some crazy big crash. You know, people have been fearful for the last two decades of some other some new crazy systemic risk. And in a fundamental sense, I don't really see it. There are problems and there is inflation, but I don't see the kind of systemic over. How do you say the way in which the overleverage uh, and the derivatives markets were a ticking time bomb for the market in 2000, 2008, I, I don't see the same similar situation here. Um, so that's uh, that's the macro. That's what the macro looks like to me. Things have continued to shift in the positive direction. I think it's it's basically time to start reaccumulating your positions. Um, anything that I missed here? Oh, one more thing. It's possible that the the S and P 500 will continue to outperform the NASDAQ. It's a very real possibility because people want to get back into the market, they, but they, they don't want to take so much risk. They're, they don't want to be in the growth stocks, and a lot of these growth stocks still look terrible, right? Tesla still looks like a terrible chart, um, and a lot of other charts still look pretty bad, and these are stocks that people heavily speculated on. So people getting back into the market are very likely going to dip their toes at least equally as much into the more solid fundamental plays. So just know that the S&P is probably going to perform at least equally as good as the NASDAQ, but perhaps even better. It has been performing better recently. So after after all that, now we can go talk about Monero. Monero has been really nice. Um, let's go to the uh, let's just go to the USD chart. Now this is another chart that I've been showing on Twitter, and it's also another really good example of things to keep in mind when you're drawing pleb lines. So we've got these two lines down here. Uh, and those are great. Those are sort of secondary resistances that we needed to break. Um, but let me delete those. But for the moment, what we can really look at 
are, so this line right here is an easy line to draw. You just connect the tops. And then what you can do is just slide that right down, right? And you see that's how these other two lines are drawn. Just slid that right down. And that helps because, you know, we have to sort of, we have to cut through this candle body right there, a whole bunch of them. Uh, and we have to find the best way to connect this line. So essentially this was the, in my mind, the highest probability likelihood line that we should try and break. So, and that's exactly what we did. We came here, we tested it, we spent some time, we pushed up against it, and then we cleanly broke through. So that's really good. Um, but we're also, there's also these secondary resistances. And when you draw, again, when you're drawing lines, you need to be careful about the secondary resistances that could pose challenges. So you can see these two lines are, are pretty easy to see why, why they're drawn that way. Um, but you could try and draw them other ways. And I definitely did. Uh, I draw, I draw a whole bunch of lines and it kind of looks messy. And then you delete them all, you redraw them again, you think about it, you know, you have a coffee, you come back. So basically we broke through both of these lines now. And the good thing is that you can see that this, the area in here was only for wicks, right? For the past, uh, six months almost, it's only been for wicks. We've only wick, uh, sent wicks into that area, but now we have two candle bodies in there and then we also have two closes above. And today is looking strong. It looks like we're going to close above that line as well. So this is very positive action. We still have these horizontal areas of significance. So places like right here where we're at or just above where we wicked, um, we're also going to have these areas and then ultimately this area as well. And, of course, the exchanges that don't like Monero, don't want you buying Monero because they didn't get it for free. They like to play with the charts. I've, in my mind, maybe I'm just being a conspiracy theorist over here, but in my mind, it looks a lot like they intentionally try to wreck the chart in many cases. Um, other times, other charts typically, when you see them break these kinds of triangles, they typically just go. Uh, so that's the conspiracy theorist in me. Let's take a look at the weekly and, and we can see, oops, you can see the weekly is also looking pretty nice. Uh, closing above this will be, will be great. That, that'll be the first week that we closed above it. We kind of want to close the second week, but the reality is that things are looking good right now. And I very much expect we're going to go pretty quickly to this next resistance line up here. Now it's very possible that we can go up and back down and then kind of do this for a little bit. Um, I hope not. I think it's possible that maybe we can break it faster than that, but just be aware that that could pose a significant resistance for us. Uh, we can look at Monero versus Bitcoin. And this is just such a bullish chart. Everything looks so nice. We're back to those levels that we were a couple years ago. Um, the next spot really for us to try and hit is the 0.011 area. We have broken above 009, which is, it's a round number, so it's significant because people like round numbers. Um, and we're essentially playing at that resistance level. In between, in between this spot right here and the top of that wick right there. That's how you got those two lines. So, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how fast we go here. If there's a general bull market, if they're going to try and add some leverage to the market, pump the prices, if people are, are getting expectant and they're, and they're buying and then the market makers say, Hey, people are buying. Let's go ahead and pump the price. Uh, so people have to buy at higher prices. You could see Bitcoin take a big jump, which could cause our ratio to kind of, you know, level off here. Um, that, that's speculative whether or not that happens. Bitcoin does have negative price externalities. But it is an important coin for the market makers to, to make sure they, they take care of. Uh, so here is the market cap dominance for Monero. Uh, again, we continue to be bullish. We're, we're above this area. Um, looks to me 
Like, we're going to end up trying to get above this area right here, and I think there will be some resistance. We're going we're gonna to spend some time trying to work our way through that area, which is fine. Um, you don't want to chart just to go parabolic too quickly, typically. Yeah, and if, if, we you, have if, a, if Bitcoin starts pumping, like you're saying, I mean, obviously, initially, you would leave Monero behind, but do you think Monero would follow or the trend would, would start to change in terms of uh, the BTC-XMR ratio? Oh yeah, the, the, the Monero is going to follow the entire crypto market if it pumps. Just simply for the fact that people know about Monero, they're buying it, the exchanges are out. And so the only way that the market can actually go up right here is with organic purchasing. They need real people actually buying the market because a lot of cash has left the system at this point and there's only so much leverage in What's that? I guess what I'm saying, would it, would it uh, still keep pace with Bitcoin or would we start to see it, you know, then, you know, we, we topped out on the BTC XMR ratio. It's, Monero continues to trend up in dollar value, but now it's like Bitcoin just keeps outpacing Monero in terms of growth if we enter a new bull market. Or do you think Monero will continue to, you know, gain gain speed on Bitcoin? I think at a minimum, Monero will continue to keep pace with Bitcoin. I think it's very possible that it that it outshines Bitcoin. That that's a very reasonable possibility. Um, I, I don't see us going into like a real true bull market. It's at best it would be like a mini bar, uh, mini bull market like 2019. But yes, I think with volatility, Monero should keep pace with Bitcoin at a minimum with plenty of potential for us to go much higher, for us to continue this trend. I mean, this chart overall is, is a very bullish chart. Um, I'll need to play with uh, different ways to draw some of these lines at some point. Like, for example, there's probably something to draw like that. Maybe if we go to the weekly. Um, yeah, so this wick right here, you could easily put this line down like that, and we could easily draw like a, a rising triangle. And, or sorry, a rising wedge. Hmm. So yeah, we could easily draw a rising wedge right here and get above and then maybe need to break for a little bit and then play around at this level. And if, if organic money starts coming into the market, real people, not just, not just tether, not just unbacked stable coins, not just Barry Silver, <laughs> but if real people start coming back into the market, the market makers like to use that. They like to front run it, right? They can see the money flowing into their exchanges. They can see people selling their stable coins and buying crypto again. And then they front run that. When they see that happening, they just slam the price up very quickly because they don't want people, they don't want the plebs getting in at low prices. They want them having to buy much higher. So this is why you see these crazy parabolic movements in crypto is a little bit of organic input causes significant leverage in the market. Um, and if that happens, yes, they're going to put that leverage into everything except for Monero, which would hypothetically cause us problems. But you know, on the ratio. But again, Monero is so strong right now and people are buying and they don't have any left on the exchanges that if that happens, if there's organic buying, even small inputs can cause big movements on Monero's price. Um, it's not exactly short covering, but it would look kind of like short covering, which is what I believe will keep our price relative to Bitcoin pretty, pretty solid uh, with, again, with plenty of potential for us to end up going higher. So there, there will come a point this year where we have to wait, where we're going to have to kind of consolidate from this nice movement. Um, but that's not to exclude us being able to make a big move higher later on in the year. Um, and that could that could coincide with the pullback in, in a crypto market. Like if we had a hypothetical bull market or mini bull, and then that came to an end, we could see again where Monero's strength shines during bull markets like it has for the past year.
So let's look at the divergences. Um, so again, this is all relative to Kraken. Uh, some of the peeps on Twitter asked me to add OKX, so they are in purple now. Um, you, a big part of the reason for our reasonably strong price action this week is you can see that these guys are trying to keep their exchange doors open. They're diverging their prices just slightly up, and they're doing volume up there, and that way they can get that arbitration flow into their exchange, which enables them to keep their withdrawals open because their only other option is to show withdrawals and to keep them down. And that's really bad PR for Binance. I think we've actually, we've reached a lot of people and we've really exposed a lot of things. So it does look to me like they are trying to keep their withdrawals open. And in doing so is a big reason for, for why we've had um, reasonable, nice price performance um, really for the past couple months. So that's really nice to see. Hopefully it looks like they've diverged downwards in the past 24 hours. Hopefully they don't uh, keep us down there too long. Um, but I don't, I don't think they will. I don't think that will happen. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I, uh, I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic. I have reacquired my full Monero position. Maybe it was a little bit, um, a little bit hasty of me, but I don't want to miss out. You know? Reacquired? And, what, you like? Oh Jesus, man! I would never have it in me to sell or to reacquire. To, to sell. I mean, so so you. Yeah. My my, well, my Monero position uh, is always the same, essentially, just slowly. Trending up through. We kind of knew that some of this. We kind of knew that some of this was going to happen. You know, some of this crash yeah, business yeah, here. That was. We saw that coming, and I said, "All right, I, if I can get more Monero, that's less Monero that the exchanges have." So it. Yeah, no, it's, it's not a bad deal. I just don't. I just don't have the uh, ability to do that. It's no, I understand. I actually, I hadn't sold any Monero like for the entire year, and then I was like, ah, but this, I could at least make a little bit right here. I was like you. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I mean, you obviously know what you're doing. You're good at it. You know how to do the, you know, the stop losses and all that stuff. You put the time into it. I just wouldn't have the the patience or time, you know, to to try to mess with it. And then it, it takes a lot of uh, like emotional energy too, right? You end up. It takes more than just the time of doing it. It ends up eating into your life in other ways, right? Because then it becomes a concern. You're concerned about it as opposed to just having it on the back burner. It's slowly accumulating more, you know, slowly moving more fiat into, into Monero. Yep. Especially when you're leverage trading. I mean, you'll be, you'll, you'll want to wake up in the middle of the night to check your position. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a fun game. Yeah. Uh, I don't and, like and, to leverage that, trade. Yeah. At the end of the day, are you really doing much better, you know, versus just slowly uh, accumulating? Yeah, exactly. Very few people do better. Most people just get their money taken by market makers and shady exchanges. So here's some charts you guys will probably, sorry, go ahead. Or an asset that we, you know, that we obviously believe in, right? So like to take that risk and then at the end of the day to not have as much that you may have had if you just slowly, you know, cost average in through accumulation, it, uh, it could lead to a devastating outcome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Here's a couple more charts, and I'll be I'll finish up my segment here. Okay. Um, this is Monero versus a bunch of different coins. So this is the monthly chart that's versus Bcash. You can see we've got this nice rising wedge, and then we broke above it, right? This is very bullish, uh, very bullish. Uh, we've got our chart versus Litecoin. This is kind of an interesting chart. I don't normally see this kind of structure, but very clear structure. Um, we basically are sitting in the top half of the range, and we're knocking up 
pressing up, knocking up. We're pressing up against the top of that range there. Uh, versus dash. I don't even know why dash would be relevant anymore, but rising triangle, this will probably break to the upside. No one's using dash. Stellar, right? Here's, here's stellar. We're, we're, we're making our way back to those all time highs from 2017. I mean, it's, and then of course Zcash. This chart always kind of, it gets under my skin a little bit because you can see what they did. You can you can see their manipulation where they took us beneath this very clear channel. There are fundamental reasons why this channel exists and why Monero is doing better than Zcash, but they can fake it for a period of time, right? They did this whole fake out last year in November. That's that's what that was. That was so, Barry, eh, you know. Barry Silbert special right there. You got to love his tweets too, right, where he's like, I'm buying, oh, y'all don't like Zcash? I'm, I'm buying more. Like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Sure you are. You, you got it for free. You're trying to sell it. Oh, yeah. we broke out on uh, Ripple. To liquidate a bunch of Zcash. I mean, you guys should all buy. Yeah. Yo, I gotta, I gotta unload my bags, guys. It's the top of the market. <laughs> I got, a, I got a Charlie Lee like Litecoin, but for, but for Zcash. Not, not to change the subject real quick, but have you been following that with, with DCG? Are they, are they in trouble? I haven't been following it closely. There was a story yesterday where they're they're dissolving their investment firm that's tied to DCG. There was a um, Cameron Winklevoss publicly he posted an open letter saying, "Hey, you owe all of our people money. You owe us almost a billion dollars, and we're trying to talk with you. We're trying to schedule meetings. We're trying to, in good faith, approach you to see if we can resolve this. And all you're doing is obfuscating, distracting, delaying." And, oh, is it any wonder that you were previously a bankruptcy um, specialist? Maybe was he a bankruptcy lawyer? I think just a specialist. So it's like he knows the tricks of the trade. And so he's using every delay tactic that he can. At the same time, I don't trust Cameron Winklevoss either. You know, it's, it's probably just posturing, you know, just one scumbag talking to another. Um, but, I mean, this is this is the systemic risk that we've been talking about for the, for the last year. Uh, the contagion that, okay, so FTX went down and DCG was dependent on FTX and apparently Gemini is dependent on DCG. It's just dominoes. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they can put a floor on the market. And I think what they're doing is they're trying to wait. They're delaying and they're hoping they can survive long enough until the market goes back up and they can get some breathing room. They might do it. It's very possible they could do it. And, you know, my moon, the moon boy in me wants them to do it because, you know, I want us to go on a little bull run right here. I, I want to make some money. Um, Monero is better positioned than the rest of these shitcoins um, to do fairly well over the next coming months, even without um, a bull run from the exchanges. It would help us. It would help us to have an overall bull run, but we're still pretty well positioned. So um, I guess maybe do you guys want to take a look at. Uh, total crypto market cap. I don't really have anything to show you guys here. Um, other than just the chart. Let's go to the four hour. Yeah, I didn't really prepare anything for a total crypto market cap or for Bitcoin. Um, but this is a very long bottoming pattern. You can see that big yellow circle here. That was my target for many, many months, pretty much for most of the year. I have a circle there and maybe we're probably not going to hit it. Um, hopefully, I mean, if, if we do this, right, if we come down here, that's very likely some other big liquidation or Barry Silbert or somebody. So, um, Silbert goes down. Barry Silbert. There's a guy on Twitter that has a Silbert index. It's all the coins that, that he's been shilling. He's got like Zcash and maybe he like, owns a significant amount of Monero. I don't know. 
Okay, so I don't. This is what I can't understand with these guys. They know. They know they're out of Monero. They know there's organic support. They know people. So why wouldn't they want to get some exposure? Are they secretly getting exposure? I don't know. They have to be. I mean, I would. You know, logic would dictate. Maybe that's part of the reason why you see why it seems like Monero is being held down sometimes too, right? It's like they're. Yeah, they're accumulating still. It's possible. Accumulate. The other thing, though, is that, like, these guys are, most of them are scammers to some degree or another. They might be legal scammers. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but people that engage in this kind of activity, they don't often have those kinds of rational thoughts. They're not like, oh, well, you know, Monero's doing good and blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, how can I save my scam? How can I continue doing this and take more money? I'm not going to get involved with that, with that coin. You know, like, if they were thinking rationally, a lot of these people, like, like Sam Bankman, wouldn't be committing so many crimes. So right. it, they might not be acting in their own rational best interest. Right. And he would have been, you know, maybe slightly less successful or would have taken him a little longer of time to to reach that level of success, but without completely yeah. destroying himself along the way. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting what comes out with the court case over the next months and years. Greed, man. So, uh, anything yeah. else, or shall, shall we move on? No, let's go ahead and move on. I, that's about all I got for you today. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's insane. I'm just so numb to to Mon- like Monero in terms of its price. I've I've just taught myself to ignore price to such a high degree that now, I mean, it's literally it's been an amazing year versus Bitcoin, right? It's 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 what doubled essentially in value in terms of XMR BTC. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's, that's insane. You know, we should be jumping for joy, but I feel like you're just so used to ignoring Monero's price that it's like, I have, you know. I'm, you have become comfortably numb. Yeah, comfortably numb. That's what's, 146% actually. Yeah. What, what's the broader I rally? I, I, I don't like the, I mean, obviously I like the bull markets, but I feel like it just, it's, it's more stressful than the, uh, than the bear markets in a weird way for me. Hmm. I feel like you're missing out on some of these coins. Yeah, yeah. It's like, nice. yeah, you feel like, oh man, I wish I had more. As opposed to the, the bear markets, I got plenty of time to accumulate. Well, they, they taught me to, to have my fundamental stack, to have my principled stack, but so many other, so much other crap just went crazy. I said, well, I'm not going to miss out on some of these DGN gains. So I'm going to play that game a little bit. And, um, I'm not going to lie. The DGN game is kind of what saved my profits. This past bull market. So, good for you, man. All right, buddy. We will. Uh, we will move on. Thank you so much, buddy. Amazing as always. Thank Great you. Great talking with you, brother. You. Yeah. Happy New Year. Thanks, Anita. Uh, we will yeah. see you in the spaces. Happy New Year. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. All right. Let's move on. Hey. To the guest segment. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Ooh la la. <laughs> doesn't get old. No, it doesn't get old, although we're working on new ones. So. Houdini swap. <laughs> hello, hello. Are we? Yeah. Hello, hello. Well, hello. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us on this Saturday morning or evening, wherever you are located. Wherever you may be. Where are you? Can, <laughs> can you give us any idea? Any yeah, insight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always traveling. I'm Eastern time zone right now, which gives you okay. okay. So it's, it's, 
it's afternoon it's now. Just... Started morning, now afternoon. <laughs> it's transitioning. It's literally because it's eleven fifty. Yeah. Like, are you also in Queens right now? Are you down the block from us? Come over. No, man. no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but I'm hoping to come to Mexico. So hopefully we'll see you then. We're just gathering a team. We've got our team is spread all over the globe, so it's a little bit challenging to coordinate everyone. But hopefully we'll at least have some of the Houdini swap squad uh, represented. Awesome. Would love to have you. I honestly do not know much about Houdini Swab, man. Tell us all about it. Perfect. Well, uh, well, thanks for having us on, first of all. Big fan of, of the pod and everything you and Sunita do for Monero and privacy generally. I've been listening to it for over a year now, at least. Uh, and just, yeah, it's, it's very informative. What Houdini Swap is, is I guess we're relatively new in the context of, of how long crypto's been around, uh, but we're gaining a lot of traction. I'll get into it. what we are is we're an anonymous swap platform. So what our platform does is it enables you to break the link between sending and receiving wallets because we believe privacy is security. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, what makes us a little bit different than uh, a mixer, we are not a mixer, is we are simply a conduit between exchanges. And I could get into the details of that later. But what that uh, means and is most relevant for you is that we use Monero as a tunnel between exchanges. So there is no traceable connection between sending and receiving wallet because it has gone through Monero and come out to another exchange. Uh, we're onboarding hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of people into the Monero ecosystem, whether they like it or not. By using our platform, a lot of the people on our platform, we get feedback. It's their first time they've ever ex had any experience with Monero. We're educating people about privacy, security, and, and everything in between. So very excited to be here. And Fantastic. Wait, wait. I, I just want to make sure I completely understand it. So so I, so I it's like if I have Ethereum and I want it would be that I'm swapping it because I'm trying to obtain Monero or I'm trying to obtain something else and I'm going through Monero before I get to my final destination? It's both. So it's very versatile. What are, are behind the uh, behind the scenes, what's going on in our platform is we have a, a, a number of different exchanges we work with, all of the top non-KYC exchanges, along with some other provi price providers. Um, we have them all connected together so you can if, if you're able to pull up our website that would be awesome and make it very clear but basically oh, yeah. you could yeah. choose your token a which is mm -hmm. the token sending in and then token b which is the token you're receiving and so if you want to do bitcoin to monero or monero to bitcoin we optimize to find the best route for that uh, but on top of that if you want to do eth to bitcoin then it would go eth to monero monero to bitcoin and you'd receive your bitcoin so effectively, what am I getting out of this different than if I were to use like a change now or a side shift? For um, sure. So, so change now and side shift are, uh, they are not privacy focused swaps. Like you are able to trace the connection between one to the other, right? Like if you're swapping on change now, if you're going, uh, ETH to BND, for example, you could just very easily see the, the BND come out of the change now wallet, uh, and vice versa, right? And there's no opportunity to do ETH to ETH, for example, because it would just be in one wallet out of the same wallet. Uh, there's, there's really no 
way to break the link between sending and receiving wallet when you're using one platform. By using our platform, you can safely know that nobody is able to trace your wallet from where it came from to where it's going. Because again, and I'm preaching to the choir, but, but privacy is security and, and that's what we're all about. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, but in terms of like going from, let's say, Bitcoin into Monero or any other crypto, so using those exchanges for purposes of obtaining Monero, is it effectively the same or is there still a difference there? Like if I had Bitcoin and I wanted to swap it into Monero, why why use this versus, you know, a change now for those purposes? Is, is it effectively the same? For sure. The same? Great question. It is, yeah. it is the same mechanically. Uh, what we offer that's and why we're getting users who are just users of one of those platforms is we're an aggregator of price. So we optimize for our users the best awesome. route based on uh, different fluctuations in, in pricing because the spreads can, even though the fees might be fixed, as you know, if you're swapping a lot, the spreads can change from platform to platform. So because we have so many onboarded, it aggregates and optimizes for the best price. Awesome. What kind of, what kind of, how long have you guys been around? Uh, we've been around, the platform first went into beta about, we went into live beta about seven months ago or so, and we came out of live beta maybe four, four months ago or so, and we're picking up tons of traction. We're doing thousands of, of transactions a month now, and uh, we actually published all of our stats. It's in our latest tweet. We're, you know, we, we did, yeah, we did just over somewhere around 2.4 million in transaction volume just last month. So it's Holy gaining shit. popularity. Beautiful, man. Nice. It's, yeah. it's all, and and it, every transaction uses Monero in, in some fashion. Well, that's exactly it. It's, 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 it's for a lot of people, it's their first foray into, into privacy tokens. We're, you know, at, we are trying to be more active in the privacy community, obviously, because that is, you know, that's a really important community for us and we're trying to get more involved, but we're also very involved in, in the DeFi space with people who have, might not have even considered why, why a privacy token is so important. And, and so we're, I, I think we'll have a, an important role in onboarding the next X number, X thousand of, of users of Monero in the future. Awesome. Are there, what, uh, what other companies are doing something? Are, are you guys unique in, in the, the way in which you're doing this or are there other, other people out there doing similar things? Yeah. As far as we know, we are the first ones of our kind to offer this service. We've, we've received feedback that people have been doing this kind of process for anonymizing crypto manually for a very long time, but it's, it's cumbersome, right? Like it is, if you've ever gone through this, you know, for people who are privacy maximalists or people who, who really deeply care about their privacy, they might have tried this manually and there's many, many steps involved. It's very, unless you're very technical, it's, it can be complicated going from multiple different wallets and getting using multiple different exchanges. So uh, we were the first ones to create the conduit system is what we call it. And uh, there are no others that are like us. Beautiful. Now, like Cake has, you know, their exchanges integrated into them, and I think they automatically choose the best exchange to use with regards to price. 
it would make sense that at some time, like if you guys keep like they might just integrate you into Cake, right? For sure, it's something that we're working on very closely is building out our uh, developer toolkit, our SDK, so that we can integrate our platform into many different wallets and other DeFi protocols. Because we are, even though we do tunnel through Monero, we are token agnostic, so we can be in you know, crypto casinos or crypto, uh, other various other crypto swaps or any other project we can pretty easily integrate onto our platform. Beautiful. How about things for like automating checkout, like a way for people to effectively use Monero to purchase things, but they have, you know, any other crypto on hand? Are you guys thinking about solutions for that? For sure. We're, look, it's been, it's been a, a hectic seven months since we, we entered into beta. We're a, a nimble team, but a quite sophisticated team with a lot of experience in crypto and DeFi. Uh, but we are building out a number of different features that will, uh, we, you know, we will benefit our users. And that is one that is on the roadmap to, to entertain. And what we would do is we probably wouldn't build out our own checkout tech but we would partner with other checkout techs and maybe be some sort of checkout price aggregator because the fees are the fees can be a little bit restrictive for certain vendors, as I'm sure you've experienced with your coffee brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the fees really do add up. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, man. How, so, who who is this team? Obviously, you don't have to. Uh give us your identity or anything, but like who's, who's behind this? Are you guys like Monero guys? Are you guys, have you worked on other crypto related projects? Yeah, for sure. So the, we're a pretty large team now we're, we've got six people working on it full time. Um, and then we've got a lot of other contractors and, and people working with us to build out certain features or, or different parts of it. The, the most recognizable aspect of our uh, of our ecosystem, I would say, or of our team, is that we are sponsored by or incubated by Dream Labs, and Dream Labs is a pretty well-known ERC twenty DeFi protocol where they they incubate various projects and give them their stamp of approval and help with marketing and and initial funding and all of those things that a, a really proper accelerator or incubator will do. And so that's be, that's enabled us to get that early traction and early beta users. Um, and so that is, yeah, that's Dream Labs on on uh, on ETH. It's a, a DeFi protocol. I don't really know much about Dream. Wait, can you tell us a little bit more about Dream Labs? Um, Dream Labs has been around for probably a year and a half now, something like that. Uh, it was founded by a, a pretty well-known influencer in the DeFi space. Not not so much privacy focused, but just in the in the DeFi space. Um, his name is Drew. He's got he's one of those guys with like tens of thousands of followers, and and he's worked on a number of different projects, etc. So what he did was he brought on all the uh, all of the staff and and people he's worked with in crypto and put them sort of under one umbrella, where he was able to offer marketing services and web three development services and uh, smart contract development and other, you know, web two development, like anything that a project might need early on, 
they're able to draw from Dream Labs' resources if they are incubated under Dream. So we are the second project, third project to be incubated under Dream. The other one is a, a payment processor platform called Pesa, uh, which is processing payments in Africa. It's a way to uh, send money back home to Africa without having to deal with the remittance fees that uh, that that people face when sending home to their families. It can be extraordinarily high, and they're doing crazy. They're building a bank in Africa, like they're they've raised t- a couple million dollars. Like they're they're a pretty serious project. Yeah, they've been and, around for a while, right? Yeah, Pesa Base, it's called. And uh, and the other one is a uh, is a gaming project called uh, Hotel Hotel. Uh, they're uh, they're looking to be sort of like the um, I, I forget the game that it's modeled after, but it's a very fun Web3 game, very interactive that's coming out within the next few months. And then us. Very cool, man. Very cool. Exciting. I love, I love seeing developments like this, um, in, in, yeah, obviously in crypto in general, but in Monero, in the Monero ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's just such a, it's such an important privacy is such an important aspect that, that you preach all day, every day, and, and many others uh, in, in this community preach as well, but it's the, the, it's not always received by everyone for whatever reason. And we're trying to distill the messaging down to just really simply privacy is security. It's, you don't walk around with a name tag of your net worth in real life. So why should crypto be any different, right? It's none of your business. It's, uh, people can be bullied for buying and selling because their wallets are so easily doxxed these days. Uh, and it can lead to real harm, right? Like our users have told us some horror stories of like people with very significant positions in a token. Uh, people have found out what their wallet was and then have done terrible things to, you know, steal from them or kidnap or other, other horrors that come with just being so public, right? Financial systems were not meant to be as public as a, a public ledger. And that's the problem we're trying to solve. So, I mean, what do you see the future being like? Do you think it's like, you know, some things like Houdini Swap are, are, are here to stay and there's going to be, you know, thousands of different cryptos and, or do you think we, we start to consolidate around a few projects, something like Monero gets adopted widely and people are just using that or is there always going to be a lot of swapping in and out and different use cases? How, how do you see the future of crypto? Yeah, it, it's a great question and it depends where, where you put a pin in future, quote unquote, yes. right? If you're, if we're talking 20 years from now, it would be a very different story, right? Like I think in the very, uh, distant future, we'll call it, especially in, in terms of crypto, crypto wise, very distant future. Uh, I do think that there would be consolidation around a global currency and various brands will have their own tokens and people might swap in and out of them, but it'll look something very different than it is today. And Monero is is an obvious solution if it can get around some of the regulatory challenges that it faces, just the, the roadblocks and negative stigma that sometimes surrounded surrounded it. But it is to us the obvious choice for privacy and ease of, of financial flow. But in the near term, like in the next one to five years, we see the activity in DeFi and we see all these different tokens firsthand. And I, I believe it's, it's more realistic to 
to welcome everyone in and think that there will be, you know, people are getting onboarded onto crypto in, in so many different ways and so many different ends of the market that to think that there will only be one token that people will, uh, will, will be swapping to or using is just a, a too distant future for us. So said, said succinctly, I, I think there will be many, many different cryptos for, for a very long time. Uh, and so we're trying to offer solutions that are that are agnostic, but enable the values of Monero. Beautiful. What do you see as being kind of then the long term vision of of Moonspot? Um... We we believe that every transaction outside of Monero to Monero should be done through a platform like Houdini Swap, whether it is Houdini Swap itself or it's not, or it's, you know, another, someone else that comes and does it better than us, which we don't think will happen, but it can. Regardless, the, the idea of people sending money to each other and, and the person who received the money can see your entire network. I think will be a laughable concept in the future. People will look back on it and be like, well, that was hilarious. I can't believe we operated like that in crypto. <laughs> it's just, it's just so outrageous that when I go to send my friend money, like to pay him back 10 bucks, he now has access to my entire network and all my transaction history. It's, it's crazy to think. And so I believe solutions like ours will be embedded into wallets very easy to securely send money from one wallet to another uh, and there will be you know always an intermediary of sorts or a protocol or something a smart something that will prevent people from snooping so easily to to uh, the recipient yeah I, I i couldn't agree more do you see monero as just being a tool for privacy or do you see it, you know, also potentially being a store of value and things like that? Both. I mean, just like I think Monero and Bitcoin are, are, have very similar utilities in, in every way. The, the problem, the, the problem, the challenge that Monero faces, as you preach about all the time, is just adoption and people integrating it and slashing down the, the negative stigma around privacy. And so, Monero faces challenges, but uh, it's shown to be so resilient that it, and, and honestly, a better store of value as of late than Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, I think Monero can be a, a tool for for payments and for store of value, just like Bitcoin, but yeah, in a more yeah. more secure way. Couldn't agree more. It's just, you, you know, that's something you often hear from the BTC maxis, right? Like those that have conceded that are like, all right, Monero does something that Bitcoin doesn't do. They just kind of frame it as, well, it's just, it's just a tool for, you know, transacting or when, when you need privacy, but ultimately you should just store your wealth in Bitcoin. Um, so we're just trying to see, see where you lie with regards to that. Um, so well, I would say, I, and sorry to interrupt, but I would say I would flip that on its head. That's, that's our view is Monero is an excellent place to store your wealth because mm -hmm. it's, it's private. And then Bitcoin, because it's more widely adopted, is a great place to spend it if you need to. Right, right. And then use something like Houdini Swap to to make those transactions. Sure. Yeah. Or if you're holding your Bitcoin and you want to now use ETH because ETH is adopted somewhere else, then use mm -hmm. Houdini Swap to get it into ETH. 
so that there is no traceable connection. Yep. Awesome, man. Lou, I love it. Can't wait to meet you down in uh, Mexico. Yeah, thank you. Likewise, likewise. I think by the time May comes around, we'll be a, a completely different platform. The growth that we're seeing on the platform, like this message is really resonating to our users. The mm-hmm. growth we're seeing is is honestly astronomical, like 50% month over month growth in the number of swaps that are taking place on the platform. And by the time we get to May, we might be a, a very different platform by then. We have tons of features we're releasing in the near future, and we're very excited to see what the what the, what comes of it. What is kind of the most used pair? What are most people swapping to and from? It would be right now. It's ETH. Uh, ETH. ETH to XMR and XMR to ETH are by far our largest pair. We are. Uh, Dream Labs is an ETH token, and maybe that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But that's what we see. And then the second most would be USDT, which is uh, Tether. Have you kept your eye on uh, Monero to ETH atomic swaps at all? We have very closely. We we have a uh, actually a, someone on our team that we've we've kept. Like they're they're ready to go, but uh, we've kept them kind of like had their seatbelt still on. Uh, who's a specialist in creating atomic swap dexes and has experience with other tokens, and we're looking into it very closely. It's still a little bit early for us to adopt it. There's um, you know there's a lot that we can do with Houdini Swap at its current state, and until the technology is there for a for a seamless user experience and and all of that. We were, we just have to focus our resources on what we have in front of us, but it's something we look at very closely and we're active in the, in the various Monero development communities, keeping an eye on it, asking questions and staying up to speed. Cool, man. Yeah. Elizabeth will be down there. Um, awesome. Let's go as well. Very cool. All right. I think uh, we'll move on because we got the news. If you, Lou, if you can hang, hang around and jump in the space once we're done with the news. Could have people uh, jump up and ask you questions if you're down to hang around. Okay, I'll see. I'll see what I can do. I've got a, I've got a, a, a trip coming up that I got to start packing for. So <laughs> see, see when that, when that, uh, when that comes. But yeah, I'll, I'll stay. The, the news usually only takes about five to two hours. So, yeah, five yeah. minutes. Yeah. To two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We're gonna try to do it fast. See if you can hang around, and then we could uh, all hang out in the space. Okay, awesome. All right, right. thank you. All right, we'll be in touch. Take care. Good luck. Bye. Take care. Bye. And now for our weekly news segment. Aloha, how do you do? Donnie, coming back, coming back. Got his robe on. It's so weird not to see you. There's a sweater. I know. If I do, like, if I put the camera on, it's just going to be annoying. So let's just it's hanging out with the Tate brothers over there. And uh... oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, that's right. How, yeah, we didn't talk about that last week. Well, because there was a lot going on. But you know what's funny? People, whenever I mention that I'm from Romania, people don't ask me about Dracula anymore or Transylvania. Oh, they, they, just, they just say, "Oh, Andrew Tate," or "Oh, Top G," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yep." Dracula wasn't that bad, wasn't it? <laughs> At least I knew some culture. <laughs> now it's over. Now it's yeah. over. I don't know. I mean, 
obviously I like, and I'm sharing my screen as I speak, um, so we can get through it, but um, obviously some of the things that he says are interesting, such as, you know, his anti-government uh, speeches, he talks about um, WEF and how you should be you know, disciplined and work hard. I, I like that part, but 99% of the things that he says, I really don't agree. Uh, like, I think one time he said that reading books is for idiots and that he only has life experience. <laughs> yeah, I think I read that too. <laughs> that was really stupid. Yeah. He's just like, he's like another, you know, he's a Trump character. He's yeah. A, he's a like tr- he just says what he a, thinks. He's a charlatan. Yeah. He's, you know, doing whatever it takes yeah. to, to gain more wealth. And I think he's just using this narrative, uh, for purposes of growing his brand. And I think also for purposes of keeping himself out of trouble. Right. So yeah, yeah. don't really argue. They were after me. I told you they were after me. Because I'm trying to free the world. Like, okay, okay bro. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not, you know, extremely clean in his mannerism. You know, like he he does a lot of bad stuff, such as you know what he's done right now. And is who he knows in jail now? I haven't been following it. What? No, I think he got out. No, actually, they got his cars and so. Uh, He's in jail with his brother. And he's essentially he's been jail, accused yeah. of money laundering or tax evasion or like what's like the yeah. Big... And then more, more. more I, I mean, think it's like like right children. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. trafficking. Yeah, right? trafficking. Yeah, sex trafficking. Yeah, trafficking yeah. Or children. I don't know. I don't know I don't much know. about it. I didn't really read into it. But anyways, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> what I do know is that he didn't read these articles because he doesn't read. So <laughs> read yeah, yeah, I don't really know. He's gonna watch. To be honest. Although, yeah, some of the things that, you know, obviously it's the little I've seen of him, though, like some of it is just, a little too much. I feel like it's a shame because he has all these yeah. young young people that are following him and like he has this basically this army of young men and he's just not instilling the the most ideal ethics. No, no. And if you're not intelligent, then one more point and that's it. Um, but I even see people here and whenever we see behavior like his, we just say, oh, he's a top G. And it's not necessarily a good thing, you know? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, people, yeah, they latch on to whatever they see. It's cool. But, um, but what's really cool, guys. <laughs> All right, so you can do this fast. Let's, 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 yes. let's go. Let's go. Yep, moving fast. Oh, wait, I think, why did it go into... Oh, no. Wait, one second. I don't know why it went to December, but I had January. One second, we're going to point cards over quick. Um, all right, there we go. All right. So, um, oh, that, that, that is for December. Okay. Uh, 33% for Bitcoin, 23% for Monero, but this is wor- worldwide. And uh, if we go down Canada sitting at 37% uh, Bitcoin usage, uh, 20% for Ethereum and 12% for, um, XMR and the USA 65% for Monero and 18% for Bitcoin. And I think this is the highest we've ever seen for Monero in terms of percentage. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I think so. Wow. I think so. But it's really, really high. Um, then I really want to talk about this article. And um, if we can find someone that knows more information, that'll be really cool because it's interesting. And I'll have some more um, articles that it'll be cool if we had guests that uh, talk about them in more detail. But uh, this one is titled The Godfather of Crypto Wants to Create a New uh, Privacy Focused CBDC. Here's how. 
Um, David Chaum explained his game plan to create a CBDC that would also be appreciated by the crypto ecosystem in an exclusive interview. Um, when it comes to crypto, the crypto part of cryptocurrencies, David Chaum's work predates the crypto ecosystem. His efforts as a renowned cryptographer date back to 1989, long before Bitcoin. So he has developed a protocol that acts as the base of DigiCash, the world's first digi digital currency secured by cryptography. As the CEO of Privacy Focus Network developer Alex Elixir, um, David Chalm is working with the Swiss Central Bank to develop a central bank digital currency that will that could also track the crypto ecosystem due to its privacy uh, features. Uh, named eCash 2.0, the new project aims to develop digital cash that would be inalienably private and quantum resistant to counterfeiting, uh, which uh, that that is important, you know, especially in the future, not now, but um, quantum resistant resistance in, uh, in currency and not only is going to be crucial, uh, not sure when, but, um, I suppose that it's coming. Uh, since the technical details require deep, a deep understanding of crypto, crypto cryptography, maybe <laughs> drink some water. <laughs> there we go. Cointelegraph sat down with Charm at Istanbul Blockchain Week to get a better understanding of the mechanics behind the, the this crypto friendly CBDC project. It's so cold outside and then my, my face gets frozen and it's so hard to talk because I just came from outside. Um, censorship resistance CBDC, it all started uh, when Thomas Moser, a board member at Swiss National Bank, invited David Chom at Z uh, to Zurich for a conference and told him he wanted to make eCash great again. Um, and then it talks about as part of the project, which is internally called Project uh, Turbulon, uh, Chom developed a cryptography cryptographic protocol that proves the CBDC can protect privacy, be censorship and quantum resistance, scalable and even compatible with uh, DeFi blockchains. All in all, and there's more details about it. All in all, it sounds great, um, but let's see how it's going to turn out. Um, Man, so, I would love to have him at Monerotopia, right? Yeah, that'll be cool. Like, he's really interesting with it's Swiss awesome. National Bank. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's, he's like one of the, you know, he's the one of the fathers of of crypto, right? He was doing mm -hmm. crypto before Bitcoin existed. Long before. Yeah, long before. Yeah. So it'd be cool to have him. That's, that was I mean, he's cited, right? David Chong yeah. cited in the Satoshi white paper, I think, right? I think so. If not, uh, B uh, Money by, uh, who was it? Was it David? No, I think it was another guy. That no, that was uh, B -Money. Yeah, I the guy's name. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I hope that we can have them in uh, Mexico. That'll be really cool. And now let's talk about BitEjo, uh, I think it's called, BitEjo.com. It's a market. It's a Craigslist for crypto, essentially. And you can shop with uh, Bitcoin, Monero, gold, uh, and cash. So, and you can um, you can buy all sorts of stuff. You can buy uh, Ring. Um, it's like Craigslist. Oh, anything, really. Anything. Anything you want, not any anything, but <laughs> well, you can get a lot, of, you get a lot of things. A lot of things. Look, you get a lot of things, not everything, but you can get Delgado's Fuego hot sauce, Misty Yushu, twenty-one dollars or delicioso. Delicioso, or you can ah. Uh, <laughs> where's the Monero? Where's the Monero? I drop down. I don't know, but they said Monero. Um, 
for other things, I suppose. <laughs> Hard for the hot sauce. Hot sauce. <laughs> Don't buy hot sauce, guys. <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, John Foss posted a tweet. I want to mention this. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but uh, you guys should check it out. Essentially, it talks about, it's a short thread that focuses on uh, various metrics, bringing to light the possibilities of where Monero may be headed in 2023 and beyond. As uh, Body said, John Fawcett tweeted in the past, uh, they are really, really uh, bullish on Monero. And Monero has been the best performing uh, cryptocurrency when compared to other major crypto assets. So uh, Monero is down only 23%, while most other others are down over 60%. So um, very bullish news for, for Monero in 2023. And I'm curious of where it's headed. Um, also, uh, let's talk about atomic swaps, uh, on mainnet, which is, uh, which is really awesome. Um, we have released the first beta version of the unstoppable GUI. It allows the centralized exchange of mainnet Bitcoin to mainnet Monero using atomic swaps through a graphical interface. And you can uh, visit the download page over here and you can visit the GUI on this link. Sorry for the people on Twitter spaces. Uh, you can join on YouTube if you want to see the, the visuals or all the, all the links are provided for you if you want to check it out later. Uh, but here's, here's the GitHub if you want to look into it. And then here is, uh, the atomic swap website, unstoppableswap.net. And, um, it's still in beta, but, um, use it, try it. Why not use a bit of Monero and see how it goes or Bitcoin to, uh, Monero rather. Um, but again, just having, you know, uh, Bitejo and then we covered more markets in the past and, and this just makes Monero more resilient for, for what's coming or for what may not be coming. You know, why not have all these ways, um, to, to protect, uh, Monero and make it better against everything. I want to cover then, uh, MasterCard and we've seen MasterCard in the past. I think they, um, partner with, um, Chain analysis. Um, in the past, I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple of pictures, pictures on the internet, but this time they partnered with Polygon to launch a web free musician accelerator uh, program to help uh, musicians in the scene and to educate them. They're going to release even, um, an NFT collection called the MasterCard Music Pass for those that aren't selected for the program. And the aim is to provide hodlers with educational materials and unique resources through brand co collaborations to help Budding musicians learn about web free integrations with the music sector. Um, and that it also says MasterCard has been actively furthering his involvement in the blockchain and crypto sectors. Um, they joined forces with uh, Coinbase in January 2022 to enable the use of MasterCard cards for purchasing NFTs. Uh, they partnered with uh, Paxos to allow banks to offer cryptocurrency trading. Uh, they also launched a crypto fraud protection tool. So MasterCard is really, uh, going heavy on into, into crypto and NFTs. Um, then of course we get these articles and I think I might as well just, uh, talk about the slightest one over here. There we go. Um, <laughs> but again, people use the, um, the FTX collapse and all the bad things that have been happening in crypto to further Actually, I lost my train of thought. I'll just read the title. Maybe it's going to come back. But the FTX collapse may boost further trust in crypto ecosystem. And um, if we scroll down, oh, yeah, there we go. Because of regulations, right? Um, 
So the FTX collapse, that's what I was going to say. So the FTX collapse and all the collapses that we've seen in the past with Luna, um, it's essentially going to have crypto in some sense, but in regulation-wise, it's going to bring more regulation. Um, and then it talks about, uh, let me see where it was. Yeah, more traditional players are entering the space who can help to regulate the sector. This means players who understand regulations as well as the importance of clients, aggregation, stability, and execution, explain Mohidin, a long-time participant in the venture sector and former director at Barclays and partner at the hedge, at the hedge fund, uh, Brevin Howard. Um, and even though the winds of crypto winter may be still blowing, but it doesn't seem to be stopping venture capital firms from piling into cryptocurrencies. And of course, to um, further down um, regulations, and I don't think this one talked about Mika, I think it was the other article. Uh, so let's go into this one. Um, there we go. The ECB, ECB, the European Central Bank official, urges CBDC development for the good of cryptocurrency and consumers. So they're pushing regulations. Um, they're pushing CBDC to save us um, from cryptocurrency because, of course, they really care about it. Um, but then they tax us on it because, of course, they like the money that comes from it and the profit, right? Um, but ECB board member Fabio Paneda has woven his enthusiasm for blockchain technology and skepticism of cryptocurrency into an argument that supports both. Uh, last year marked the unraveling of the crypto market as investors moved from the fear of missing out, I like this quote, to the fear of not getting out, <laughs> he said. Um, that observation served as a, a seg to an, an examination of the position that cryptocurrency should be left alone to burn rather than regulate at the risk of legitimizing cryptos. <laughs> But this is a straw man that is immediately taken down. Um, first, despite their fundamental flaws, it is not certain that crypto assets will ultimately self-combust. Um, then it talks about... There we go, Mika, yeah. Having established the necessity of regulation, Panetta suggested that the European Union's market markets in crypto assets, Mika, legislation was an important step, but insufficient in regards to crypto asset lending or non-custodial wallet services. In addition, unbacked cryptos should be taxed in accordance with the costs they impose on society. And it also talks about, and there's one more quote actually, um, trading in, in unbacked digital assets should be treated by regulators like gambling. But ultimately, even CBDC is backed by electricity because it's not physical. It's not like gold. It doesn't matter if we have electricity or not. Gold is not going to go away. So CBDC and crypto are kind of the same in this regard because a line is on the internet. So you know, they're both backed by the internet. They're not backed by anything else. I'm sure that if um, you trade gold for CBDC, they're not going to like it. So um, it's, it's an interesting statement. Um, then I want to talk about um, El Salvador. And um, actually, no, let's, let's go to this one first right here. There we go. Because uh, this one is a bit faster. Shiba Inu themed the bond tokens are yielding nearly a thousand for Solana liquidity providers. The meme coin is up over 150% in the past 24 hours and have recorded some of the highest trading volumes on Solana based decentralized exchanges. Um, yeah, so maybe in 2023 we should get off yielding and we should look into Monero, I think, and, uh, stack some more and be more careful with the yields because they do look very promising. 
And yeah, people made money in Bank and Shiba, but be careful. Don't put more than you afford to lose. And what the hell is Bank? <laughs> I don't even know. Bank. <laughs> There's... Keep moving, keep moving, man. Let's get through this and yeah, we'll let's jump go. into the spaces. Yep. yep. Uh, then let's talk about, and then I'll go back to, um, El Salvador and then that's it. Uh, so Bank of England answers professionals questions about upcoming CBDC wallets. Um, of course, England wants a CBDC. They want a wallet proof of concept, POC for the Bank of England, BOE. Um, and they essentially provided uh, questions about the project. And they have released the questions that they asked um, in this project. They asked uh, like 20 companies, um, I think, no, maybe more. But 20 companies submitted their applications and handed in their questions before December 25th. Uh, following this, the BOE published the questions asked by the competing providers and gave its answers that aimed to offer insights into the project. Um, we're using the POC, which is a proof of concept wallet to deepen our knowledge and understanding of how CBDC products could possibly interact with each other. Um, and if you want to check it out, if you want to check out the questions, you can click on publish and then, uh, you can read all the questions to go down and you can look into it. Um, the last thing that I want to mention is, um, El Salvador's Bitcoin strategy involved with the bear market in 2020. To, uh, El Salvador made Bitcoin a legal tender, which, uh, some people see it as a positive thing. Some people see it as a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing overall. Um, because it made people more aware of, of, uh, Bitcoin. Uh, but of course they had problems with the, um, um, IMF and let me see where that was exactly. There we go. El Salvador's, uh, credit rating and ties with the IMF have suffered as a result of Bitcoin adoption. Um, local borrowers have been forced to charge higher interest rates as investors have become less willing to lend to the nation. Uh, moreover, to, due to the uh, significant risks to financial and market integrity, financial stability and consumer protection, the IMF advised El Salvador to revoke Bitcoin's legal under status due to its volatility as well as, as its usage in fraud and other criminal um, activities. Um, also, the uh, poor... They're a poor country with one of the lowest rates of internet uh, using the Americas. And as far as I know, uh, actually a lot of people still don't know about Bitcoin, even though it's a legal tender now. Um, so I'm really curious to see where um, this Bitcoin law that they pass is going to be headed in 2023 and um, what they're going to do with the bonds and everything that they, they have created. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see in 2023. Now it's uh, January, but this was a new section, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Okay. The links are in the description. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, man. All right, awesome. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you All guys. right. Enjoy Bye. the rest of your evening. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, yeah, but we're going to jump into the space. I don't know if anybody has I see Houdini actually hung around. Wow. <laughs> he made it through the news. Um, Houdini Swap is in there. We'll jump in there and see if anybody has any questions to, to ask. All right, cool. We'll make All right. Co-host. Oakley, Oakley. Um, yeah, let's, uh, move on to, I guess, uh, the spaces aspect. Let's do it. Let's just do this. Hello, hello. Long time no speak. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anybody want to jump up? Anybody have a question? Anybody? Just request and bring you on up. 
Fadini, anything else you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, there's lots, lots that I could talk about, I guess, but the, I am curious to hear from you. I mean, you, the two of you are so deeply involved in the, in the privacy community. It's, it's, it's exciting to be on the same, just on the same line as you. What would you say is the most exciting thing in the, like the most exciting project or the most exciting technology you're looking forward to in 2023? Is that allowed? Can I flip it and ask you questions? <laughs> sure, man. You're, you're Houdini. You just pulled a Houdini on me. <laughs> um, in, in terms of this year, obviously, so I'm, I'm Monero focused, right? So, I mean, what I'm most excited about is the fact that Monero is, I think, finally gaining some mainstream crypto attention. So the fact that, that people are starting to realize why quote unquote privacy coins are important. So I'd say that more than any of the technologies themselves, uh, it's just the fact that we're, we're starting to gain mainstream crypto adoption and that people are starting to realize the true value proposition of crypto and starting to see that happening. That's, that's what excites me most is more so that the social aspects, I mean, the technology Monero's Monero has been around for quite some time, hasn't really changed all that much right it's digital cash and it's slowly evolving and improving upon that but for me what really excites me the most is that people are finally realizing the importance of digital cash in terms of actual tech tech aspects i mean you know we we saw an upgrade this year monero uh what we should expect to see this year um, I don't think like not too much in terms of major developments that will be implemented this year. Uh, Sarai Dex is, is exciting. I want to see that get implemented. Uh, I don't know if you, are you familiar with that at all? That project? Yeah. 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 We, we're following it closely. Um, so that, that's really exciting. Obviously anything in the atomic swaps realm between Monero and other cryptos, uh, very exciting. I mean, it's, 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 that's a slow development, as you know, to make those things user friendly. And I don't know ultimately how user friendly they'll become. Uh, but yeah, something like Sarai Dex seems to strike the right balance between usability and decentralization as proposed. So I'm very excited about that as that becoming a, a big usable on ramp, uh, for Monero. But yes. Awesome. Awesome. What, what do you think is the biggest, the biggest barrier to, to mainstream adoption or recognition or appreciation of, of Monero or other quote unquote privacy tokens? Like what is the biggest hurdle that we have to cross? Do you think? I think it's, it's just this, this apathy or this, um, this inability for, for people to under, truly understand the importance of cash itself, digital cash. So trying to change people's perspective and get them uh, to realize why it's important. So everybody in their daily lives doesn't question, you know, privacy is innate, right? This need for privacy, you know, when we get up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you close the bathroom door. Nobody, you know, everybody does it, right? They, they want, they innately want privacy. They don't want people, you know, knowing their business. They don't want people knowing what they're thinking. Uh, people, at the end of the day, they go home in their homes and they lock the door. 
people like privacy on a personal level, but for, for some reason that's been twisted in the marketplace in terms of, uh, how we perceive money and transactions. Uh, I think, you know, up until this point in time, that's always, it's always been very innate in people to want privacy in that sector as well. Uh, but with things like social media and people becoming more, uh, exposed online, they've kind of, le- they've kind of given up, uh, all forms of, of, of personal privacy that traditionally they, they wouldn't have otherwise done. And I've, that's kind of seeped into the area of transacting as well, where it's become commonplace to use something like a Venmo and literally broadcast what you're doing with your money, right? Um, and so I think we need to see a cultural shift there. And I think inevitably we will because there's so much value there in maintaining that privacy and because people are going to need to do that if they want to maintain their liberty, liberty in the digital age. And I think, uh, uh, unfortunately that realization won't happen until it really hits home with a lot of people. So the, the greatest barrier is in people just being able to abstractly think and realize and understand now why that's important as opposed to when it's perhaps too late or, you know, it's it's so much in their face that, you know, it, they have no choice but to transition. Yeah, 100%. Well said. Well said. I I, I find the the analogy that works really well for our audience is around the name tag of your net worth. Like when I I used to, at one point in my career, I worked in, in banking and I used to walk around in the financial district and see people, see people who had fancy suits or whatever. And I used to imagine in my head, I don't know why when I was a a recent grad, whatever, but I used to imagine, you know, I, I, I wish I knew how much that person, how much that person made or like what their net worth is. And then when I came into the crypto spheres, I was like, wow, I actually can. I can see what every single influencer's net worth is because it's people think that just because your wallet address is a bunch of digits that it it's not tied to who you are. But everyone leaves droplet. Like every single person in a who's active in a community will say, you know, buying now or or just sold some or like you know, if they're a top holder, people know who all the top holders are, and you can just so easily trace back to what your net worth is. It's a, it's a huge security concern. It's I I agree. I echo all of that, and and we we firmly believe that uh, the biggest barrier is just educating people that privacy isn't just about liberty, which is so important, but it's a it's a very abstract concept that's hard for some people who aren't well-versed or don't think about it on a day-to-day basis to really grasp it's but the fact that it is security is something that hits close to home to a lot of people we think and so yeah well, well said i totally agree um but we are we are in a, a monero talk speaking among privacy <laughs> people so it's pretty easy to find common ground <laughs> yeah 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 definitely and i agree with you i think you know the liberty thing is really is like really high level right like it's you have to think abstractly about it and i don't think people in their day-to-day you know take the time to to think about those things the same yeah. reason why 
they, you know, they weren't up in arms when the government was basically telling them that they need to take a vaccine, right? Or they might lose their job, right? You know, a lot sure. of us were like up in arms about like, how could they, you know, this is, this is tyranny. And a lot of people are like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, liberty doesn't really, when I, when I ran for Congress and you know, over here in New York and people say like, why are you running? And I'd go into this tirade on, you know, why, why liberty, right. And how I feel like tyranny is encroaching <laughs> upon us. I would like nine out of 10 people's, their eyes would just roll, you know, once in a while, I'd right. be the, the guy who would understand me and you'd be like, hell yeah. But most people, like, it's just, unfortunately, it's really sad. It doesn't hit home, which is what makes it so dangerous these times that we live in is because people, like, are easily fooled, right? It's not that people are dumb. It's like people are busy and they're trying to live their lives and they've kind of been hoodwinked into this system. And, you know, they they, they have, you know, totally. they, they're worried about their families. They're worried about their, you know, and they don't have time to kind of like see the big picture and the trajectory of things. They just want to, they just want to live their lives. So to just like start telling them about, oh, we need to preserve liberty in the digital age. Like, what? <laughs> so am I going to make more? If I buy Monero today, will it be worth more tomorrow? That's, that's really all I care about, you know, that to just like explain yeah. why there's, there's value in liberty. Uh, it's a stretch, but like you said, there's obvious things like security, right? So things like the the trucker convoy, what we saw with that, like that was a big wake up call with people. Like that, people got they sure. understood, right? It was like very physical. They saw what sure. happened. They saw these truckers out there. They saw this protest happen, and then they heard news of the fact that they, you know, they were uh, blocked from the traditional banking system, and that like. People woke up. They're like, "Oh wow, that that could happen. I didn't even know that could happen." And then they're like, "And then you know, crypto comes in, and pe- and they start using Bitcoin." But then they heard news of wait, uh, Bitcoin is completely traceable, and now they're tr- blacklisting their you know these people's wallets, so they effectively can't use the crypto they received. People's eyes opened. They now saw like a real scenario in which it was an issue. So. Unfortunately, I just think there's going to have to be more of these real world issues that happen to that effectively open people's eyes. Um, but also, unfortunately, I'm certain that those things will happen. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The uh, one thing we did once on our space, uh, and it was a little bit, it was, we might have crossed the line, but it proved, it was a really good way of proving a point, <laughs> proving this point specifically was we were doing an AMA on a Telegram channel and someone who was listening in, we noticed had their their profile picture as an NFT. And we did it, like we were very careful not to actually dox them. But what we did was live on the AMA, we spent less than three minutes and within three minutes we knew all of their crypto holdings. And we were like, just having your PFP as your profile picture and without ever using Houdini Swap before, we were able to, in less than five minutes, figure out your entire net worth. We know that you can, you are now a target of phishing scams, right? Like you are now a target for so many different things because your wallet is just so easily identified to who you are. It's, it's crazy. And then, and then it gets even scarier. Like they, I was saying this on our last, uh, in our last conversation, uh, I was saying that the, some of our users have told us stories where they, People have done that kind of exercise, figured out who they were, befriended them, figured out where they lived, right? Like, oh, I'm in this place. Where are you? Oh, I'm here too. 
figure out where they lived and some real dangers like stalking, whatever it is, it's, or kidnapping or, or worse. And yeah, it's a, it's a real, a, a real concern. And yeah, it's, it's great to that we're all making inroads and we're happy to have joined the, join the, join the movement publicly to help just piece by piece, step by step, pebble by pebble, brick by brick, just start to educate the, the world on, on the importance of privacy. People will find their way there. Lip, what's oh, going on? Hey, hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, yep. Go for it. You're breaking up a little bit, but uh, go ahead. All right, perfect, perfect. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about my start on crypto. I got back in, like, 2017. I found out about Bitcoin when it was about, like, around 10. Then I heard about Ethereum. So I got into that. And before I know it, Elon must start talking about it. So I'm like, okay, this got to be the time to say. So then I thought, I found out how public Bitcoin was where they could see your address. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So then I hopped on something called XRP. Then I found out that was the same thing. <laughs> Y'all with me so far? Yeah, yeah. So where are you currently? Like, what's your current take on crypto? All right. So my current take is I took a little time to do some research. I kind of got out at a good time and I started watching some of John McCarthy's videos. And I got where he was coming from it about sometimes when people realize something, it's kind of like too late. But I look at it like this with Bitcoin. I feel like they want everybody to buy Bitcoin because it pumps crypto, the cold crypto market. And then I feel like when the big firms got everybody pumped in, then they start dropping it. So it's just, you just got to, I guess, be due diligence with your research and uh, try to be careful with your entries so you won't uh, lose a lot of money because it's kind of dangerous out here with that. Totally agree, man. I mean, so so what what do you, based on what we were talking about, right? Like okay. privacy and people realizing the importance of true digital cash. What's your your take? I mean, do you think the market is going to start to realize these things more and more, or is it uh you know it, 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 it's going to stagnate? I feel like the market is going to realize it more because I see banks are now becoming like able to like offer crypto so what i see is everybody's waiting for bitcoin to bottom out and then everybody's going to get back into it but with privacy i'm really liking monero and i'm you could secure your worth or whatever if i'm saying it right and then hop in when you want to Oh uh, yeah, you're breaking up a little bit there i think you were going to mention some other crypto but it, it, it blocked you out only you can only say Monero in this room. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, anybody else want to want to uh, ask a question? <laughs> hey, Lip, you got you got anything you got anything else to say, man? Any 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 other? Yeah, can uh, you hear me now? Any other comments? Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit though. But go ahead. Let me try to turn my wife on. Maybe use that. Can you hear me any better? Yeah, you're good enough. Sebastian, let me let me get you up here. Hey guys, thanks for letting me speak. Um, yeah, um, what I wanted to say is that, like, for people who are supporting public blockchain technology, such as Bitcoin, um, I always emphasize to them that 
they have to be honest about the uh, fungibility problem. But I also want to apply that to Monero in other ways, such as let's say there was there is one day there's an explosion of new users, and it's gonna happen uh, in the near future, just like it happened, I think. Uh, in the uh, private messaging apps space. I think it was WhatsApp updating its privacy policy that caused millions and millions of people to switch to Signal. And Signal couldn't handle that new inflow of new users. And they had a lot of mm-hmm. trouble in the beginning. So one day this is going to happen to currency and we're going to see a huge inflow of new users to Monero. And I wonder what's going to happen to the people that run their own nodes. Maybe they can't afford to upgrade the the SSD or hard, or hard drives. And maybe some people will not want to spend more money to upgrade their nodes. Then it could cause a lot of problems with decentralization of Monero. So I wonder if, what you guys' opinions are on, on this possible future problem. Yeah, maybe we could get a body chime in on this. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have enough technical ability to really estimate to what degree we could handle an influx of new users. Um, I guess my, you know, my, my take would just be that I, I do think things will continue to trend in organic enough nature where Monero will be able to scale uh, as its usage grows, that's just kind of my my understanding based on what I what I've seen and my my uh, understanding of the tech, right? And obviously, with things like dynamic block size, and I see what I hear what you're saying that nodes will get too large, and you know, people, not everybody might be able to to run them. Um, but I don't I don't think the influx will be you know kind of a tidal wave all at once to the point where the network wouldn't be able to respond. I I just don't think it's going to happen that way i think maybe you'll see price go up a lot and there'll be a lot of speculation so we'll see a lot of growth with speculation as people start to to see monero um but i don't think everybody's going to be flowing into it for purposes of transacting you'll have people like us right and if you've seen that organic growth to date where people are just onboarding to monero because they actually want to use monero but then additionally there's going to be a large influx that's just going to be based on speculation and I don't think that's going to really overwhelm the network that much because it won't be so much for usage. It'll be just for, you know, people that are trying to accumulate. But that's kind of my simplistic take. Body, what do you think, man? You think, uh, you know, Monero has the tech to handle uh, a major kind of overnight influx? Wait, got to add them. Body, I just added you. Hey, sorry about that. <clears throat> my headphones just cut out for a second. Um so, yeah, I mean, this is definitely an important question. Uh, it's something that Arctic Mine, probably Arctic Mine is the best first on it out of everyone in Monero. Um, <clears throat> so if we did have a, a huge influx of people, we could maybe do 10x, 100x our current transaction counts, and we would still be reasonably okay. We could maintain decentralization. Um, you're going to have a lot more people that need to run pruned nodes. Um, hypothetically, you could run Monero entirely as a network of pruned nodes. Um, you could run the entire network um, as pruned nodes, and you would still be able to synchronize a full node. Um, so there is a decent amount of overhead. 
Um, but right now it is true that Monero would not be able to like handle visa level transactions without some kind of significant centralization of the node structure. Um, this is one of those things where hopefully as time goes by, as the continuous improvements happen with both CPU and, and bandwidth, especially bandwidth, um, hopefully that ends up buying us enough transaction capacity to compete with visa in something like 20 years. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's not a finished solution, right? We still have a, a number of things to do. Um, Doug, your, your comments about how it's possible that we'll get a lot of influx if price starts increasing, will, that'll happen as speculation. Um, my thinking on that is, is that they'll come for the speculation and then they'll stay because they start doing the mental exercise of, well, wait, I'm already in Monero. Why would I send Bitcoin? Why would I send Litecoin? Why would I send a transparency coin that's going to pwn my privacy when I have Monero already? Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll spend it here. I'll spend it there. And as people come for the speculation, they're going to start staying because they're going to realize, well, I, I might as well just spend it too. And that's kind of how like my journey from Bitcoin to Monero um, transitioned was I was like, okay, Bitcoin, I was almost a maximalist. Monero was cool. I got some. Uh, and then as I did these mental exercises of, okay, well, I want to do this thing, but I, it needs to be private. So, okay, I need to manage my UTXO set and I need to do it over Tor. And, oh, well, these, these outputs are associated with me, so I need to go through Monero and come back. And, and every time I did this, I was like, why? Why am I doing this? I could just use Monero. And ultimately, I, that's why I was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of Bitcoin. I'm just going to be in Monero now, and I'll find other coins to speculate on, um, you know, for the price gains. And Bitcoin doesn't even do good at that anymore anyways. It's, you're, you're not going to see Bitcoin doing the best speculative price gains uh, from here on out. Or it's, it's at least – it's unlikely. There will be times, moments where it does, uh, but – by and large, it's probably going to be Ethereum. It'll be the newest, shiniest shitcoin. It'll be some of the some of the new shitcoins from the last bull market that did really well. Those same shitcoins are going to have another run. Um, <clears throat> the the shitcoins that we had from 2017, those are probably done, right? If they had a run in 2017 and they had a run this time, they're probably not going to have a third run. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my my thinking on on whether or not we can handle an influx of people. We should be able to handle a pretty significant influx. We can easily do the, the level of transactions that Bitcoin is doing. Um, but then maybe we'll need to hope for further developments in, in later years. Right. So that would be like the level of transactions that Bitcoin is doing would be like another basically a 10x from here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we're saying, you know, we could, we could handle that, then, you know, I think, I think that covers us pretty well in terms of what our, our expected growth can be. But, but who yeah, knows? At least I mean, for the next sounds, few years. It would be, it would be a good problem to have. That's for sure. You know, y'all were talking about, um, you know, just generally privacy. If you think about before the internet, it's literally a federal crime to go open someone's mailbox, look at their mail, tamper with their mail. Um, and, you know, take their privacy away from them. It's a federal crime, and it's been very illegal. People have been prosecuted heavily for that. And now, like, <laughs> these these big corporations, Google and everyone, Microsoft, they see everybody's email. There's, like, there, there's – it's totally transparent for them. They don't have to get a warrant, nothing. So it's kind of funny how that, how that transition happened over the years. Yeah, they use it to mine your data to understand better what kind of ads are going to work on you. Yeah, Google, Microsoft. Yeah. You know what I do on YouTube questions now? I answer them randomly. They give me a, instead of being the guy that's their data point that says did not answer, because that's still data for them, I just select something random. 
Screw up their algorithm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just the, the corporations and governments have an incentive to know as much about people as they as they can, right? There's a lot of value there. And traditionally, we had protections in the Constitution, right? Things like the Fourth Amendment, you know, in terms of protecting us from government searches and seizures. It's just not all of that's tra now transitioned over into the Internet. Um, it's just the, you know, the development of tech is kind of uh, ahead of everything else. And, you know, it, it became these tools that people find very useful and usable, and they are. Uh, and, and it's, it's just, it's caters to people's needs in such a way that they don't realizing what they're, what they're paying, what they're using to pay for it. All these quote unquote free tools that improve their lives come with a very real cost. It's just not an obvious one. Uh, and because of that, they've kind of been hoodwinked into giving up their privacy and their data. Yeah, it's, it's been a big problem with the Internet because they figured out how to do the networking part of it before they had figured out how to do the privacy part of it. So they built all of this infrastructure, and then we had to try and figure out how to do privacy in layers deeper, but that's really, you know, that's really not the best form of privacy. Um, Tor is, is good. It's better to use Tor than not to use Tor, but it has all kinds of problems. Um, and the way just the entire infrastructure of the Internet makes it very difficult to not be tracked. You have to take all these extra steps. And even then, um, you could still get compromised. And I see so many parallels between the Internet and its development and what's happened in cryptocurrency. Now, hopefully, because we already had those lessons and hopefully Monero is close enough um, to the inception of Bitcoin that maybe we can head some of this off. Maybe we can actually get people. And I think we can. I think it's very likely that over time, people are going to go into Monero. We're going to get the, the layer zero privacy figured out. And then we can figure out how to do a lightning network on top of that or something. But, yeah, I mean, if we get this thing right, then we'll actually be able to preserve the money and, and make it true money. It won't be a surveillance money tool for the uh, you know, for the deep state. Totally, man. I see uh, Tivra is in the room. He's been in the room for most of the show. He had a great space the other day uh, just about privacy, privacy coins in general, privacy tech, and whether or not 2023 is the year of privacy coins. Tivra, you wanna you wanna jump up? Say anything? Just giving us a high five and a love. All right, guys. Anybody anybody else want to uh, throw in any more any comments? Otherwise, we'll wrap it up. Let's request to speak if you want to chat. Bueller. <laughs> oh wait, here we have somebody. Yeah, I can sorry. Hear you. It might be like it was been dropping off the whole time. I was trying to connect. So if it drops, it's not me. Sorry, guys. Um. So my question was for. He dropped off whatever question you asked it. I, at least I didn't hear it. Maybe it was me. I don't know. But I think he disconnected. He keeps getting like booted. Let's try again, man. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. Hey, what's up, guys? I love the new framing of 2023, the year of Monero, or 2023, the year of privacy coins. I think it's a good marketing strategy. Almost like, it's 2023, the year of desktop. We can do that every year until Monero is number one. <laughs> Why not? Let's get it out there. Let's get the meme out there. It's, it's crazy, right? That, you know, the mainstream, like the, the crypto YouTubers, like the people that talk about all these random coins, they just still aren't really talking about Monero yet. Um, despite the fact that it's a hundred X during this, this bear market, like how is, how are they still not talking about Monero? 
it's almost unbelievable to me. There's all of these influencers, and Monero is such a unique thing. And these people, all they do is live crypto, right? They make content and they read news stories. And like their job kind of is to help their followers orient themselves around the space to understand what's happening. And these guys still haven't found Monero. It's either ignorant, <laughs> ignorant as fuck, or nefarious, right? They've made, maybe not nefarious, but perhaps just greedy. Their sponsors. I don't know. Who knows, right? Yeah. Could it, could it be? Could it be how they're finding their information? Like they're just kind of in these silos of like mainstream crypto media and they just never find their way to Monero. It's, I, I definitely think there's some, uh, you know, manipulation happening there, right? Like we talk about Barry Silbert and all the influence he has on crypto. Uh, you know, I think he's also in control of like a lot of the, the, the mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream media of crypto. So I, I think there's things going on there, but yeah, is it just maybe that they're just not finding their way to, to the info because of the silo that they're in? I don't think it's that nefarious. I just think there's not enough media in Monero. I mean, you should know you are one of the few uh, shows out there, right? In comparison to, to Bitcoin, it's like a hundred to one. I mean, in articles, in shows, in media, in education, in a lot of stuff, right? So maybe it's just a lack of overall content will be my guess. Yeah, I mean, we've been around for years, you know, we've interviewed a lot of big names in the space. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, a lot of people just don't, don't find, don't find it, don't come across the content unless they're like actively searching for it, it feels like. Tivra, what's up? There's us. Go ahead, Bobby. Oh, hello, Douglas. Uh, it's uh, an excellent show. Thank you for making it and thank you for creating media about uh, privacy. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, you mentioned that influencers don't talk so much about Monero, which is surprising. And I think it's probably still there is some, uh, you know, some taboo around um, privacy, which is, which we really need to work to remove that taboo. You know, people associate it with uh, stuff that um, they think it's a little bit shady. They're worried their name will be associated with stuff that is shady or whatever. Um, and we just need to really um, convey this idea that privacy is, it should be totally, basically we need to totally normalize it so that everything else will become the strange position and privacy will be the default position of everyone. For sure, man. For uh, sure. Great, great space the other day. I was sorry I wasn't able to join, but I listened to the recording. It's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. What's your, I mean, have you always been a Monero guy? Uh, I know you're, you're, you're talking about privacy now. Uh, you're out there. Has it always been something that you, you know, you saw as being the main ideal of crypto? You just haven't been, been out on the forefront talking about it, or maybe you have. What's, what's your background? So my background is, uh, I go, basically, I found out about Monero on Bitcoin Talk. So I'm back, you know, those days, 2013, 2014, oh, when wow, I became wow. interested in crypto. Yes, yes, uh, like a very long time. Um, I wasn't so active on Twitter, you know. Uh, I was still using those outdated media like Bitcoin Talk for a long time. Um, but uh, so basically, yeah, Bitcoin was one thing that interested me. Then there was Monero when it came out. Uh, then briefly, I was interested in a 
project which I don't follow at all now. I don't know if people still follow it. It's called, called Counterparty. Um, and then, um, I remember that one. Oh, I remember. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, because the dev that was one of the, uh, devs that was, uh, early in Monero, uh, namely, uh, Taco Time, um, he was in the, I think the first team that, you know, uh, forked Monero that later renamed from Bit Monero. And, uh, the same, the same dev also created another crypto, which is called Decred. And I got also involved in that and interested in that. Uh, but that one is like, it didn't start as a privacy coin. You know, it started as a, the easiest way to describe it, it it's Government, like that. It's like, right, was there, folks. Exactly. The easiest way to describe it is like, you know, when, when there was the Bitcoin, uh, uh, big blocks, small blocks debate. So back then, um, a lot of people was, were asking like, how do we decide which, uh, <laughs> which side should have um, should, um, the devs follow, right? So basically, Decred just did this that uh, people could uh, vote with their coins basically on which hard fork to follow. That's it. And, and so that, that's, uh, one of the hard forks that was voted on was to implement privacy, right? But it's coin shuffle. It's like, um, it's a little bit different. I mean, Monero, Monero has, uh, non-transparent blockchain. So, if you, for the purists that want zero transparency in the blockchain, it's Monero. Um, while Decred has a transparent uh, blockchain, but it's, uh, but it's uh, basically mixing is, I mean, shuffling is, uh, is uh, part of it. And uh, the anonymity set comes from, um, you know, because people buy tickets to stake. It's like a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake. So that creates the pool to, to mix, which is, the pool is huge. I mean, 60% coins are uh, being mixed. So it's, uh, you know, it's a trade-off. Uh, I guess the plus is that you get perfect, you know, auditability. Like, it's easy to verify all uh, all coins and so on. And uh, But, you know, so for a while I was uh, commenting on Decred and so on. But uh, since, um, you know, past year, uh, looking at Monero, looking at uh, how it how it's getting, you know, real non-speculative views, you know, how it's uh, adopted in the voluntary markets. Um, uh, yeah, it got me really excited. So the, the space was really uh, also to analyze, like, what's happening, right? What, because, like, according to common traders' logic, this shouldn't be happening, right? Like, uh, altcoins should be falling while Bitcoin is falling, whereas Monero is just following its own path and grinding up, which, uh, you know, makes me think that there is a real non-speculative use case, which is, really what digital cash should be about. Yeah, super exciting, man, that, that Bonero is finally uh, grabbing people's attention again. And, um, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd hope to have you guys maybe down at Bonerotopia, man. That would that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I'm I'm talking to some uh, uh, some people in the over there at Decred we will see what, what they say. I mean, you know, uh, uh, ideally someone who is more, uh, you know, technically also, um, knowledgeable than me should go because I'm not, uh, I'm not that technical myself. So is Decred working on like privacy solutions or what is the current state of privacy on Decred? You know, the latest, uh, the latest thing that maybe 
will be interested to interesting to the people here uh is um you know and by by the way you know I'm, i need to remind people that they, like because whenever i talk about you know other coins then other than bitcoin or maybe monero you know i get a feeling like oh no because i know how allergic everyone <laughs> is to altcoins right because we're being shielded all the time uh different coins so but you know i'm not against it i'm i'm a, i'm not a but it, i just think that because there is such a saturation i think people get an immediate uh, um it depends because i'm you know i'm talking to bitcoiners a lot and bitcoiners are really allergic to talking about it so i got used to you know almost having a uh um almost like excusing myself always when i talk about yeah, yeah they they beat it out of you man they, they, don't, they don't want people expressing their their ideas exactly so i almost they made you have feel a ashamed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. so anyway um but you know, the the one development that maybe would be interesting to to monero folks is um you know the bison relay it's called so it's like a let's call it let's say it's similar to noster you know so it's a uh decentralized social media protocol that um uh is fully encrypted and uh it's uh, you know peer to peer and uh uses lightning network for uh so it's, it has built in um built in um you know for tipping for uh, payments and uh, so right now it's it's like noster right so it's just it's for private chat for private rooms uh it doesn't have something like spaces it's more primitive for now um and uh but what's coming also is uh you know um uh sites and uh e-commerce function so basically there will be markets uh there so that that's could be interesting for uh monero folks maybe it's called bison relay but it would just be it would just be a dash based marketplace I mean, not that. Decred, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to insult oh. you that, that badly. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, it wouldn't, it doesn't actually have to do much with, um, marketplace in the sense like, you know, like, like darknet markets, you know, in that sense. I mean, anything can, I don't want to use the word darknet because it's like sounds negative. I mean, like voluntary markets, anything that people want yeah, to sell. Yeah, just a about, decentralized like. market. Exactly, exactly decentralized markets and uh, you know people could use monero to to buy and it doesn't have to be decred because like one thing that i like about this project is you know um, we also have a decentralized exchange right it's atomic based uh, atomic swap based and you know it doesn't you don't need to own decred token at all in you don't in there is no there are no fees there are nothing so just you basically just trade let's say bitcoin for I don't know what's supported, Litecoin or Bitcoin for uh, what else is supported. Uh, I mean, stable coins are coming soon. But basically, uh, Litecoin, Dogecoin, and a few others are supported right now. Not not so many, but it's really, you know, peer-to-peer atomic swaps. And you don't need to hold Decred. You need to, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with Decred. Decred just funded it. And uh, so and the same principle is uh, operative here. But... Um, yeah, it uses Lightning Network basically to prevent um, spam, you know, so they, or you know, because um, or DDoS attacks and, and so on. Because uh, every request costs uh, costs a little bit of, uh, but really uh, very low amounts in 
in uh, paid in Lightning Network. Yes, yeah, so some similarities to kind of the the roadmap that Particle is taking. We have we had them on the other day. Oh, okay. I need I need to check that out. Uh, I just learned uh, recently about another one. Uh, let me check it. But that one runs on Bitcoin Lightning node, uh, Lightning Network. Oh, it's called Damos. Damos. It's another one similar to the to the Bison relay, but that one will run on Bitcoin Lightning. I need to check out Particle. Thank you. I didn't know. About yeah, yeah. I meant similar in terms of uh, you know the marketplace that 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 they've built and stuff like that. Um, Are you referring to Taminos? Taminos. I don't know what that is. Okay, I was just making sure. I, I thought that's what he was talking about. But uh, hey, Doug. Hey, Montorpia. I just got my mic working and I'm ready to talk. Are y'all ready for me? <laughs> I don't know. What do you got? All right. Uh, I'm very positive on the movement. So uh, I have good news for us on this part. If y'all noticed, uh, we have a tail emission that just uh, hit, I think, the end of last year. So what's happening now is the reason why the exchanges don't have no more Monero is because it's no more being made for a certain amount of time. Uh, I think Kevin Wad uh, talked about it a lot too. He, he's a he's a person that talks about Monero a lot. But uh, so what I noticed too, this will get y'all this will get y'all real happy. If y'all notice, what's the bank? It's called uh, the app is called uh, Lamp Bank. But more of the story is I don't want to say Grayscale, but it's a what is it? Uh, give me one second. I can think of the name of it. It's a big bank and uh, they got uh. Give me one second. I'm about to look it up. Give me one second. Okay. Yeah, Kevin Watt. Kevin Watt's a good guy. I haven't seen him around recently. Yeah, I'm sad to see hear that or notice that. But yeah. So uh, the app is called Lampman Bank, and it's from uh. Hey, while you're looking that up, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I just go got I, I got to run, but uh, this has been guys. I've, I've really enjoyed guys and girls, everyone. I've really enjoyed being here and listening in. Thanks for having me. Uh, if I, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just very quickly do a very quick shill of Houdini Swap, anonymous swap platform. Follow us at Houdini Swap on Twitter, same at on Telegram, and follow us for for updates and and I'm sure we'll see you around. See you either in Mexico or or sooner. Awesome, man. Yeah, thank you so much for jumping on today and doing the interview um, and hanging around. And I know I know we do. A, it's a long show. It's a marathon. In fact, I'm cooking breakfast as we speak now. I've moved on to, <laughs> to the rest of my day. But yeah, yeah, would love to, I really hope to see you down in Mexico. And for anybody awesome. who's, uh, listening in, yeah, I put the link into monerotopia.com. We have the Monero conference that's taking place down in Mexico City in May. Uh, obviously very much Monero focused, but we're also trying to get other, other projects as the privacy oriented projects involved. Uh, for example, like we're talking to Tivra here, we're talking about the cred. They, they might come down. There's a bunch of other, uh, projects that are coming down. Um, and we just want to, we want to make it more about privacy tech that the, the quote unquote privacy community in crypto really isn't all that large, right? It, uh, so to, to, to then take that what's already a small community and uh, make that tribal as well, I think only ends up hurting ourselves. So we're trying to kind of unite people around the ideas of digital cash, no matter what form you're interested in. And then hopefully uh, all roads lead to Monero. So um, thank you so much. I think oh, I actually it. We'll, we'll take... 
Oh, okay. Well, we'll let you finish up with the comment, and then we're going to close it out. Just, um, sure. So go, so go ahead. All right. So, yeah, I'll make it quick. So, Goldman Sachs. You heard of Goldman Sachs, right? Most certainly have, yes. All right. So, yeah. So, Goldman Sachs offers this banking for their high net individuals, sad to say, of how it's biased. But uh, so, how they do it is when some of them want to make, like, purchases into crypto, they use Monero so they can have privacy. And then I was looking up, it's, it's, it's up there and on Wikipedia and Google if you want to look into it. Please look into it. So, uh, what I found out was they had to buy a certain amount of it to try to keep the price steady and to protect against arbitrage, if I'm not mistaken. So what I'm basically saying is high net individuals and the banks, Goldman Sachs, are definitely looking into crypto. Now, look at it this way. Why would any bank want any, everybody to see What's their holdings? So they could get shorted and so they could lose capital? No. So what I'm saying is the big banks are into crypto right now. And what they're doing is they're waiting for, you know, the right opportunity to make certain positions and then they're going from there. So I feel like Monero is going to be one of the cryptos that's going to have the longest staying power. And this is when people are going to get into Monero. When Monero hits about like 16K, it could be a year, it could be four years. But when Monero hits the price of Bitcoin, that's when everybody's going to want to get into it. But we all know that's kind of like the worst price entry if you're going to hop into it at 16000 when we have it right now about $100 price range. So that's just my take on it. Let's, I love I love what you're saying, man. That sounds bullish as bullish can be. And then I'll leave it on this. So the biggest fork that I like of Monero right now is Havana. And the reason why I'm looking at Havana so much like that, or I'm sorry, Haven. I'm sorry, Haven. I wish Havana and Haven, and I think Cake is already doing it. We're all like integrate. So like, what I mean by that is, I would like Cake to make like an integration where you could connect your Cake wallet to different decks and do it decentralized. Basically what I'm saying is, when a lot of people want to get crypto, they got to hop on the exchange. And basically, you're putting your money into one of their wallets. You don't know what they're basically doing with it. The the future I see is atomic swaps. So, like, let's say I have Monero right now, and I want to trade my Monero for, uh, what is it? I think Haven got a, a dollar version of there. So, let's say I want to hop in that right now. And then let's just say a month later, Monero might go down to about, like, $110. That would be a perfect time to make an entry. So, what I'm basically saying is, us as a private community, we all got to stick together. And and the biggest fork that I'm looking at, like I said, is Haven because I feel like they might be a good bridge for Monero, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, lo- I love the idea of Haven in theory, you know, and uh, a stable coin, yeah, theory, and yeah. an anonymous, an anonymous stable coin. But we, you know, we've seen issues with these algorithmic stable coins. We had Haven at Monerotopia last year in Miami. Uh, We'll see okay. if they come down to Mexico this year. I hope they do. Uh, they are definitely an interesting uh, fork of Monero. Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm loving all your takes, man. Good stuff. I'm surprised we haven't yeah, seen you around here. Yeah, I've been trying to take care of everything. Like I told you, I got into crypto around 2017. So I'll make it real brief. I bought Bitcoin in, uh, for about, like, 19-ish. And then it went up to 50 and I was, I was just surprised at how quick it happened. So I, I de-risked, bought some Ethereum, more of the story is I, I turned this 19 
all the way up to like about 80 grand. And then I hopped into XRP. But the moral of the story is once I found out how public everything was, that's when I found Monero. And that's been the best bet, honestly, with damn Manility. And then it's a mission rate because I compare Monero to gold, basically. So I look at Monero like it's a better form of gold at different times, meaning if gold is high right now and Monero is low, then Monero. When Monero is high and goes low, then gold. But, uh, yeah. So that's why I like Haven because they can issue currency from different countries and then that will bring different people from different sides of the world into crypto. Now imagine if they could convert their currency into a wallet and then trade Haven for Monero and back and forth with never using the exchange, all doing it in a DEX and an atomic wallet. I think that's the real future for privacy coins. So if certain if all the exchanges just went down all of a sudden, if we had atomic swaps connected to these wallets, it wouldn't really affect us. One hundred percent, man. That is the vision. I know, you know, Cake is constantly working towards that. Uh, they, we were supposed to have, uh, Thorchain integrating, uh, integrating Monero and Haven, uh, into, into their, their decks. So effectively people will be able to use Thor to swap between Monero and the other, uh, Thorchain, uh, cryptos and Haven. And Haven was, uh, helping lead the charge with that, but, um, that, that, that kind of, stalled and uh, i think it completely stopped as as far as uh, as far as i know i don't know if anybody has any other insights into that uh basically the the thor chain community didn't want mm-hmm. to deal with privacy coins they were concerned about the public perception which is which is concerning right it's like all these things we're talking about here in this space today how how we need to make privacy the focus but uh of Fortunately, you know, people are driven more by number go up and they're making decisions where they think it, it's better to ignore privacy tech because it's going to, to help their public perception. I think in the long run, that's a really bad bet. Uh, but some, some people are, are taking that approach. But yeah, that's the, the, the vision you laid out there. Uh, 100%, uh, love what you're saying. And I think we will get there. Uh, that is, that is, that is the way, right? So we'll all, have our, our cake wallet, our Monero Uju wallet, whatever it may be, and then we're we're right. storing our coins there, using our coins there, and essentially anonymously swapping into into and out of other cryptos in a decentralized way, in a user friendly way, right in our wallet. Havino, um, that's still being worked on. So I think the the, the okay. guys that were originally the guy who was originally heading up the project dropped out. There was concerns over the fluctuation oh, okay. in the price of Monero and he was getting funded in Monero and he basically said he couldn't afford it anymore and uh, not enough money was raised. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, Cake, uh, stepped in and they took over the development of that project. Yeah. Vic, Vic took over the I'm development glad to see of that. that. Yeah, he's funding that. So we should, you know, that, that's moving ahead as well. So that's another, uh, decentralized exchange option. I'm seeing a crying face from Sebastian. I don't know. I don't know. Did I, did I say something wrong? Um, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up unless anybody has any last, last statements they want to say. Anything to, you know, correct the record, anything you want to put out there. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, hope to see, you know, some of you next week, some of you down in, in Mexico in May. Um, let's make 2023 the year of the Monero. All right, I guess. It was nice speaking to you, Doug. Let's stay in touch.
Yeah, man. Hop on anytime. Tivra, thank you so much for All jumping right. on today. Body, as always, man. Thanks for, for bringing the information. And uh, thank you to everybody, everybody that joined us today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this week's Mineratopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey, or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Mineratopia Telegram group. See you all next week.